Is it Friday already? I believe it is. It is Friday, so let's Friday. Feel like a uh, long week to you, Parker, or a short week? This one felt like it went by fast. It did, didn't it? Which is weird, because for as much nothing as was happening, it felt like this would be one of the weeks that you would think would pass slow. But here we are, and it, it does feel like this weekend has, or this week has flown by. On into the weekend. Yes, it does. And uh, welcome in. Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Getting you ready for the weekend. And we want to thank our friend Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, for sponsoring our first hour, as we always do. Great Sooner, great company. Tim Lasher and uh, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. We're going to lead with a little hoops because the Sooners are playing the number one team in the country tomorrow in Auburn, Alabama. The Auburn Tigers and Bruce Pearl, number one in America, undefeated at home tomorrow, 1 o'clock on ESPN. And one of the guys who is being mentioned as possibly being the number one pick in the NBA draft, Jabari Smith, the freshman from Fayetteville, Georgia, averaging 15.6 rebounds, three assists per game. But, uh, you know, those numbers don't just pop at you. But the athleticism, the talent, the fact that he shoots 40% from three at near at 6'10", very impressive. He'll be a tough matchup for the Sooners. Uh, Jacob Grove started the game against West Virginia in place of Elijah Harkless, and uh, that, that turned out to be a good move by Porter Moser. They won the road, snapped that four-game losing streak. Uh, Elijah Harkless only played four minutes, uh, had some foul difficulties in the few minutes that he played. Will Ethan Shagwa be available? C.J. Nolan was back, of course for the uh, game against the Mountaineers, played a few minutes for Oklahoma. Marvin Johnson played great. So uh, what are we thinking about Oklahoma-Auburn tomorrow on ESPN at 1 o'clock? Well, I mean, that's, it's arguably your toughest draw of the season, right? you got to play the number one team in the nation in a non-conference environment on their home floor. Yeah. Uh, you can't, Realistically, you can't be too confident that Oklahoma's going to walk out of that building tomorrow with a win. Again, we talked about it yesterday. Really, all you can hope for, if you score a massive upset, great. That's an awesome confidence builder heading into the remainder of the conference slate. However, realistically, what you're hoping for is that the Sooners go into that building, give Auburn a fight, because they're outgunned from a sheer talent perspective. But if they can prove that they're able to hang with Auburn the way they hung with the likes of Baylor, for instance, and... You think about the upset wins they had over Arkansas and Florida, who were both top 15 teams at the time. Oklahoma's proven that they can play with some pretty good basketball teams. And as long as you can keep things close with Auburn, then once tournament time rolls around, that's a game that Porter Moser can point to and say, remember when we went to their house and did that? Now, at a neutral site venue against X opponent, Why can't we take it a step further and go and beat somebody that is ostensibly more talented or better than we are? Yeah, it's it's going to be a test tomorrow, but it's an opportunity for Oklahoma again. uh, A lot of people will be watching tomorrow on ESPN at 1 o'clock. Let's hear from Porter Moser on... uh uh, you know, the opponent, he was talking to Toby on the coach's show the other night, and uh, T. Rowe asked him what makes Auburn so tough. Here's what Porter had to say. A combination of a lot of things. One, um, they play really hard. Uh, they, they, they defend you. They get up in you. Um, and they play really hard on both ends. 
they run the floor offensively relentlessly. And then they got they got elite talent. Jabari Smith could be the one, two, or three NBA pick. Katie Johnson. Um, they have three or four guys that are averaging over 13 a game. Uh, they're defending. Uh, they're shooting it. They offensive rebound. They win the foul line game. They've had games where they've had multiple games over 20 free throws. So they're doing a lot of good things in a lot of different areas. Um, and, and then you've got to handle this crowd. Could be one of the best crowds in college basketball. So um, that's, that's why they're number one. All right. And, uh, again, Auburn uh, just survived a game in Columbia against Missouri the other night where uh, Jabari Smith had a horrible shooting night. I think he was 2 of 15, 2 of 17, didn't play great. But Auburn has enough talent spread around the floor that they were able to survive, and they won that game in Columbia 55-54. So the Sooners, they'll have an opportunity to hang with this team. Uh, one thing they cannot do, Parker, is turn the ball over. Auburn, very athletic. They'll get out in transition. There is no doubt about that. They love to run the floor. If you turn it over 25 times against Auburn like Oklahoma did recently, yeah, it's not you're going to get beat by 25. So take care of the basketball. Uh, look, the Sooners are one of the worst in the country at that, and they've got to be a lot better tomorrow, or it could get out of hand. Let's hear from Bruce Pearl, who says uh, the Sooners, he thinks – are better than the record indicates. If you look at Oklahoma's schedule, and I'm talking about almost since back in the very end of November. I mean, you talk about since the end of November, as tough a schedule as I've seen. And yet, they're 13-7. and seven. They're receiving votes for being a top 25. Um, and they're probably a win away from the number one team in the country, away from being right there on the bubble or being an NCAA tournament team. So... This is a really good team and a really good matchup. That said, I, I do think it's probably good for both teams to step out of conference and you know play somebody that doesn't play them twice a year every year. Oh, Bruce got a text there yeah, mid-response. I, I think it was his pizza rolls were done in the microwave, actually, <laughs> right there is what happened. So anyway, uh, again, the Sooners, again, if they are able to take care of the basketball and ugly this game up a little bit and play good, solid, hard-nosed defense, which they normally do, they've got a, a shot to hang with Auburn. And if you can get this game down to the five, six-minute mark and you're in the game, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Now, again, I give the Sooners about a 15% chance of winning that game tomorrow, but... Uh, the good news is they have some momentum after the win in Morgantown the other night, and uh, I, I would expect that Porter Moser plays the same lineup. Why would you change it? You would think that Jacob Groves would start again, right? Uh, I, I don't know. I guess in theory, but then again, you don't want to take the result of one game and extrapolate it over the course of the entire season that is to come. I think Elijah Harkless is still a superior option in the backcourt for this team, and I, st I still think he's one of the five best. He's one of the guys that, realistically, you should be trotting out there in the starting lineup. And so it just it ultimately comes down to, if you're Porter Moser, do you feel like Elijah Harkless has cleared his head or not? Is he back mentally to where he was at the beginning of the season in non-conference play when he had some really, really strong performances? For the Sooners. Thus far in conference play, it just hasn't been there. And at times, he's made some bad decisions, been reckless with the ball, and cost the Sooners in big moments. And so, as I evaluate that situation, the Jacob Groves versus Elijah Harkless debate, I don't think it matters one way or another because I think you'll see both guys on the floor a lot because 
you go up against a team like Auburn, that's that's a matchup in particular where depth very much comes into play. So you will see a lot of bench minutes for the Sooners on Saturday. But it, for my money, I think you put Harkless back in the lineup. Yeah, and, and the good news is OU was able to get minutes out of Marvin Johnson, who played well the other night. Uh, we'll see what's up with Shagwai. I haven't heard anything yet, but uh, they got C.J. Nolan back from concussion protocol, so that'll help the Sooners in terms of their numbers because, yes, they will need to play uh, some guys and have them play pretty well off the br- uh, the bench to have a chance tomorrow against Auburn. Auburn 19-1 of the year, 10-0 and at home, and the Sooners are 2-3 and on the road. Uh, the other good news is that Tanner Groves broke out of his uh, slump the other night. 8 of 11 from the field, and that's got to have you feeling pretty good. That Tanner Groves is in a groove, a little bit of a groove now again. I don't know if I would call it a groove. i got to see multiple multiple performances stacked on top of one another. To a call groove, it groove takes but two or three games, so this is exactly. it's better then. It, he, he snapped the funk. Let's okay. call it that. Yeah. All right, I'll go with that. You want to get get out of the funk. You want to give up the funk? Who was was that Parliament? I think it was, right? Yeah, it was George Clinton. All right, so one o'clock tomorrow on ESPN. The Cowboys will play Florida. That's a three o'clock tip on ESPN two. Uh, LSU at TCU, the first game out tomorrow, and then you have Missouri at Ohio State, West Virginia at Arkansas, Baylor at Alabama. Remember, the Sooners played a competitive, good game and beat down. Uh, Alabama that came in, I think the Tide was number 9 or 10 in the country when they came in last year, and Oklahoma scored a nice win there uh, in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. You also have K-State at Ole Miss tomorrow. The marquee matchup happens at 5 on ESPN, 12th-ranked Kentucky at number 5, Kansas at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, uh, Mississippi State at Texas Tech. That's a 5 o'clock tip on ESPN 2. ESPN 2. And then you have Tennessee and Texas from the uh, Superdrum in Austin, 7 o'clock on ESPN. So there you go. I, I don't know. Um, if you look outside of the Oklahoma game and the Oklahoma State game, by the way, you remember when the Sooners beat Florida and Arkansas, they were both ranked, and now they're not ranked. Um I think, obviously, Kentucky-Kansas is the marquee matchup. What's number two for you? Would it be would it be Oklahoma-Auburn, or would it be like Baylor at Alabama? I would say probably Baylor-Alabama over Oklahoma-Auburn. Yeah, I had that um, one second, too. It, okay, so this Oklahoma-Auburn game, is this going to be actually televised tomorrow, or are we getting an ESPN Plus special? No, this special? is regular ESPN. Okay, o'clock. beautiful. Regular well, ESPN. I guess that makes sense, seeing as how they're going up against the number one team in the nation. So. Yes. Uh, so, again, uh, opportunity for the Sooners. We'll see if they can get it done. So, what else do we have? By the way, we're going to talk about the Oklahoma-Auburn matchup. Uh, Caroline Grace, WTVM in Columbus, Georgia. It covers both Georgia and Auburn, right? That is correct. Friend of yours? OU grad. Ah, the OU grads are everywhere. They've already invaded the SEC. I know. How about Anybody that? else the, the, in the, SEC the, country the I need to know about? The hostile takeover begins. There you go, planning spies already. Well, you know, the, the journalism school was accused of spying, you know, this fall. Of course, that was the paranoid Mule Shoe Administration. But, um, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to see uh what it's going to be like in the sec it's just going to be a different world it really is and uh, maybe 2023 for oklahoma and the sec all right uh what else uh, the pacers and the thunder tonight at the paycom center at seven o'clock oklahoma city fourth worst record in the league the pacers are struggling as well 17 and 32 uh the trade deadline not that far away kenrich williams mike muscala 
possibilities for Oklahoma City. I've seen a couple uh, stories about Lou Dort's name out there. I would hey, seriously they could, doubt they could, that. Uh, they could bring Westbrook back. There you go. Why not? Hey, uh, Russ and the Lakers lost to the Sixers by 18 on the road last night. By the way, congrats to Trey Young. First team All-Star selection, Eastern Conference All-Star squad. Trey having a really good year. The Hawks have been disappointing overall, but Trey's had a good year. 28 points, 9.5 assists per game. He's shooting Almost 39% from three, so good for Trey Young. First team All-NBA selection. All right, uh, or first team uh, on the uh, All-Star squad starting for the Eastern Conference. The, the uh, All-NBA teams are a ways away. But the trade deadline is rapidly approaching. Um, also, Friday means Brandon Drum will join us at 135. We'll talk uh, the latest in Sooner football. Okay, let's take an opening timeout. Happy to have you with us here on a Friday. Always want to hear from you on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. We'll update you on uh, Sooner Recruiting and talk some football when we get back here on The Ref.
Oh, come on, the portal. We need a limit on how long you can have to make your decision on the portal because it's getting ridiculous. I mean, it's it's ridiculous in all caps right now. Still waiting. Uh, again, Oklahoma fans, uh, Caleb Williams is kind of like, eh, where's he going? Oh, okay, all right. Where, where's Jackson Dart going? <sighs> And we don't know. And, again, we, we talked about this the other day. I, I think, look, if, if Caleb Williams somehow made the decision, you know what, I'm going to come back to Oklahoma, which we think there's about a 1% chance of that, then OU fans, I think, would be uh, – there would be some OU fans who would be pumped up about that. But I don't think people would be absolutely just jumping for joy that Caleb Williams is coming back. Uh, again, I'm not dumb enough, and I'm pretty stupid, uh, to realize there, there would be some Oklahoma fans like, all right, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. This would be this would be cool, but uh, I, I think they're just worn out with this stuff, and uh, more Sooner fans right now are wondering about the Jackson Dart decision, and the answer is, who knows, right? You know, it's you know it's kind of bizarre to think about, Mike, and this is kind of off topic, but pertinent to the Caleb Williams, Dylan Gabriel situation. Isn't it crazy to think that Dylan Gabriel? is about to be Oklahoma's sixth starting quarterback in six years. That is crazy, like, yes. That kind of sums up the modern era of college football. When a program like Oklahoma that, make make no mistake, they have won double-digit games each of those years. So it's not as if they have been in constant disarray and tempest. But the fact that that type of program, a program with the national brand that Oklahoma has, has had six different starting quarterbacks now over the past six seasons. That is bizarre. That is super bizarre. And um, I don't know, you think about Oklahoma, have they had the biggest name ever in the portal to come play quarterback, you know, in Jalen Hurts already? Yeah, to this point, yes. Although. And Dylan Gabriel's pretty high on that list too, I yeah, would think. The biggest name ever to hit the portal is the guy that's leaving Oklahoma. However, so yeah, which is crazy because he didn't uh, accomplish nearly what Jalen Hurts accomplished at Alabama. Now, a lot of that was obviously Alabama's got a roster full of uh, NFL guys, pretty much. And but Jalen Hurts again had an outstanding career there. Ended up getting beat out by Tua, but uh, you know ends up playing for Mule Shoe at Oklahoma. And I thought he had a good year. I thought Jalen, you know, the offense was a lot different, a lot of run game with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, which you would expect. Uh, he couldn't hang on to the football. That was surprising that he, he ended up being a turnover machine. Uh, but that was an interesting year and obviously paid big dividends for Jalen Hurts. I mean, he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much longer he will be. but And he's had his moments in the NFL. But is there any word out there in, on Jackson Dart at all, or is it still Cricket City? Okay, so for what it's worth, for what it's worth, and I want to emphasize that until we get an announcement from Dart or Trigg or both, this doesn't mean anything. But for what it is worth, there was a report this morning that he is in the database at Ole Miss. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of that was the sleuthing that everybody did to figure out the, that Jaron Kanak was going to be a Sooner. So, again, I don't know if it means anything right now, but based on what we know and what we don't know, you would have to figure that 
unless something drastically changes, Ole Miss is probably going to be the spot for Jackson Dart. Which I, I kind of thought all along, just because you look at the situations, uh, Ole Miss made the most sense to me simply because of uh, Dylan Gabriel already being at Oklahoma, having a, a leg up on Jackson Dart uh, because of his familiarity with Jeff Levy's offense during their time at UCF. And then the fact that uh, the word was Michael Trigg didn't want to go to BYU and those guys wanted to play together. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. For what it's worth, by the way, a great classic rock song by Buffalo Springfield also. It, it, it all makes sense, doesn't it? It all makes sense because Ole Miss is the spot where Jackson Dark can be the guy. Does, and that's something we've said time and time again yeah. on the show. Is it's, right. It, Ole Miss was always going to be the hardest team to get past for Oklahoma. Does OU – go back to the portal to try and find another backup if Jackson Dart ends up at Ole Miss. At this point, at this point, your options are so limited. It really just comes down to, do you see a guy that's a fit? Mm-hmm. I mean, JT Daniels is still out there. He's not the only one, but he's definitely the biggest name in the portal in terms of quarterbacks. I don't know. We'll see. I wouldn't bank on it, but then you also have to consider the fact that once spring ball concludes, then you're going to have another gold wave. rush number two. Yeah, that's on right. The portal because people see where they stand after spring football, and there's kind of a second wave. It's not as big as the tsunami, but it's a, still a pretty big wave. You're it's right. how Oklahoma got Mike Woods last year. Yeah, good point. Excellent point. Yeah, I mean Mike Woods went through the spring game at Arkansas and then transferred to OU. So, yeah, I you know I kind of forgot about the second wave that will be coming. So. Uh, if the Sooners wind up where you've got Ralph Rucker, you've got obviously uh, Evers, uh, who's a really good prospect, uh, you got Ben Harris, you got Micah Bowens, uh, I, I guess Ralph Rucker would be the guy, right? That would be the favorite to be the backup. Obviously. I think it would be Evers uh, if I had to place bets. I think Evers would probably beat out Rucker just because. Because he's going through spring, right, Nick Evers? Yes. Well, yes, okay. Then that probably would be an advantage. But And the early rumblings I'm, I've heard on Evers have been overwhelmingly positive. So I would expect that he's going to be your second string if Jackson Dart and or transfer to be named later doesn't end up at Oklahoma. JT Daniels comes to Oklahoma. There, he has to do one thing, shave that mustache. It's way too caterpillary. Hey, maybe Brent Venable's going to turn Oklahoma into the New York Yankees. No facial hair allowed. Yeah, maybe. I mean, who is the greatest Sooner to ever have football facial hair? I mean, like okay, a right good, now, solid beard. Like right now, Michael Turk is probably right. the leader in the clubhouse. Jeremiah, Robert Conjol. Jeremiah Hall had, some, had kind of an Amish-looking beard, right, a little bit. I don't know if I would categorize it as Amish-looking, but yeah, he had a beard. I don't know. I saw some Jedediah in that, you know, because you're bald and you got the beard. There's a little bit of Amish, a little bit of an Amish look, in my opinion. But Jeremiah Hall, man, didn't he just get the invite to the he combine? He did get the combine. Good for him, invite. man. By Good the way, hey, him. if JT Daniels does, in some form or fashion, end up at Oklahoma, he will. We do know that his mustache for OU Texas Week is going to be immaculate. Well, Baker pulled off the Fu Manchu. Was that that was for Bedlam though, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that, it was. The, yeah, thing, that was the, the thing that they do now though is they all grow mustaches for OU Texas. Hmm. I, I don't know. That might be the best that JT can 
do right now? You never know. He was a five-star, wasn't he? JT he was Daniels? a five-star. I remember uh, watching him early on in his career in, uh, in USC. I can't remember who they were playing, but they were talking about, you know, this kid could be the future of the program. And then we heard that about Keaton Slovis. And uh, <laughs> Slovis is now at Pitt. You hear that about Jackson Dart. And it looks like probably Ole Miss for Jackson Dart. I mean, if, if that worked for Jaron Kanak at Oklahoma – uh, why wouldn't we think if he's in the database at Ole Miss, if that's true, that, you know, he's not going to go to Ole Miss. So, I don't know. But uh, you're right, though. The thing that I wasn't thinking about was what happens after spring football because there will be another wave of uh, players getting in the portal. So that's another opportunity for OU. It never ends. <sighs> it never ends. And, hey, I, I'll tell you this much, Mike. As long as Jackson Dart doesn't go back to USC, Muleshoe's probably running with his third-string quarterback heading into spring ball. Miller Moss, I think, is actually the only scholarship quarterback on the roster at USC right now. Hmm. What was what uh, what was his star rating? He was a four-star. He was a top one hundred guy. Miller actually, Moss. He sounds like an attorney. He kind of does, doesn't he? I remember watching him at the Elite Eleven. He's all right. I wouldn't call him elite, but he's good. If he wasn't elite, what was he doing at the Elite 11? <laughs> uh, that was the COVID 11 is what there, there that was. be a not-so-elite 11. I remember there was a kid there that ended up committing to Florida to play baseball. Like, he wasn't even ranked as a recruit. Mm-hmm. He was literally a baseball player who also happened to play quarterback. I don't know how he ended up at the event, but he was there. Now he plays baseball at UF. So the, uh, the kid from Dell City is going to IMG, right? That's right, David Stone. That is, uh, and he's going to be a junior. He if I'm will not be mistaken. a junior. Yeah. So two and years there. I I believe he's the first player in the history of the state of Oklahoma to go. I to I can't IMG. think of another one unless, yeah. I obviously I haven't been around as long as some others on the recruiting scene in the state of Oklahoma. So if I'm missing anybody, by all means, hit the text line and let us know. But offhand, I cannot think now, of another I, Oklahoma look, native I, that has I, gone to IMG. Yeah, I can't either. And, uh, you know, you think about the great recruits in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, I can't, you know, they were all at a high school, and I can't remember one at IMG. So IMG is, um, you think immediately, well, that's a football factory, but you have that for the other sports as well. And apparently it's a pretty good academic uh, institution as well. But why does a player – I mean, it should be pretty simple, but for those who aren't maybe in the know, and I'm not totally in the know on this, what is the advantage of going to IMG? You're, you're coached up. Uh, you're, you're taught a lot of other things, too, besides just football. Uh, I'm sure media, all of that stuff. It's really like preparing you to go to a big school and then beyond. It's basically like – think of it this way. What an NFL practice squad is, mm-hmm. that's what IMG is to college football. Was Buki was an IMG guy, right? Buki was an yeah. IMG guy, yes. Now, so, he's, he wasn't an Oklahoma kid, obviously, but he came. Did, have the Sooners signed anybody else from IMG besides Buki? I don't know if they have. I think he yeah. might be the only one. Um, regardless, basically, IMG is an opportunity for all these guys to go to this school, be able to practice day in, day out against the best of Mm -hmm. the best at the high school level and play all across the country against the best high school teams across the nation. Yeah, so it's you're prepping for big-time football is what you're doing. So, all right, uh, we'll talk a little more Sooner recruiting coming up here in a little bit. In the meantime, let's uh, talk about the Sooners matchup with Auburn tomorrow. We'll do that when we get back. Thank you, Tim Lasher. 
Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour. It's Friday, 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 Friday. Fun weekend ahead. We'll also get into the NFL matchups as well. Hear from uh, Zach Taylor and Creed Humphrey. All that coming up here on The Ref.
All right. If you haven't seen the uh, Skinner documentary on Netflix, definitely worth a look. Good stuff. Absolutely. All right. We have uh, Caroline Grace, WTVM in, I think it's Columbus, Georgia. You Columbus, said? Georgia. And covering uh, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, the SEC. And uh, we thought we would bring her on to talk about the matchup uh, between the Sooners and the Auburn Tigers tomorrow. But first, I want to ask a very important question. Uh, Caroline, on the uh, 1 to 10 scale, what was the cool factor for Parker Thune over at the journalism school at OU? Um, oh, this is a trick question. I guess it depends who you're asking. If you're asking me, I give him a solid eight out of 10. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, now that, now that he's gone, I like him a lot more. So. An eight. That's a solid score. That is a solid score. All right. Uh, so by the way, what has it been like to hear the reaction from SEC fans where you are about Oklahoma and Texas coming to the Big 12. I know it's been a long time, but is there still a lot of talk about that? Is the talk out? Oh, wait till they see what they're yeah. going to get. Uh, what, is, what is the current reaction, you think, from the SEC fans about the move now? Yeah, so it's actually funny. That's like the first thing people bring up to me whenever I introduce myself. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, just left Norman like a month ago, and – that's immediately what everyone talks about. So it's definitely still a buzz here. I think this weekend is going to be like really important, really cool for fans to see the kind of Big 12 SEC matchup. But, you know, brutally honest here is just I don't think anyone realistically thinks Oklahoma or Texas stand a chance, at least right now. Wow, okay. Them, them some fighting words from SEC territory. <laughs> now, oh, folks, uh, make make no mistake here. Even though Caroline is an OU grad, she is an Auburn homer hey, all hey, the hey, way. Hey. What? Wait yeah. a minute. You, you didn't tell me this before. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, she's she's an Alabama girl. Oh, she grew up, okay. She grew yeah. up right. an Auburn hey, Tiger. I, I'm wearing an Oklahoma sweatshirt and Oklahoma sweatpants right now. So I don't know what – this is false information, Parker – well, you know, <laughs> the thing about radio is that no one can verify what you're, sa- what you're telling us. So, could be truth, could be lies, we'll never know. But, uh, Caroline, how does it feel that in your first month on the job, the team that you were assigned to cover is all of a sudden the number one basketball team in the nation? And what has it been like to witness their rise over the course of conference play from a team that had a lot of buzz throughout the non-conference slate, no question, but that all of a sudden is now atop the pedestal in college basketball? Yeah, so it's it's really interesting to see because, you know, last year with um, they're on probation and then the COVID year, so really haven't followed Auburn basketball since 2019. And before that, it, they were, you know, my childhood growing up in Alabama, they were basically non-existent, as hard as that is to say. So it's been really interesting because whenever you move to the South, everyone just assumes like, oh, football, you know, like one of, the, one of my first assignments was to go down to Athens for the national championship coverage. But in reality, like we're covering basketball like full force right now. So it's been really cool to watch um, a program that was really, really good in 2019, you know, be able to sustain that for three more years afterwards through COVID, through probation, and, you know, they're back and they're better than ever. 
Uh, Louisville, of course, looking for a new basketball coach, and there's a lot of talk about uh, Bruce Pearl as a possibility. I know he's tried to, to shoot that down so far, but are, is there any kind of distraction in that respect uh, for uh, Auburn in this matchup with OU tomorrow? So I don't think so, and I I wouldn't you know I wouldn't put it you know we don't we obviously don't know what's going on exactly inside the team. There's been a little bit of talk. But something that really surprised me yesterday in the press conference was Bruce Pearl didn't bring it up. No local, not one person of local media brought it up. I thought that was interesting because, you know, if it was more of a legit thing that was happening, I feel like it would be a hot topic. But to be honest, I think it will be a cold day in hell before Auburn lets Bruce Pearl leave. I think they will give him whatever he wants to stay. And, you know, he's he's kind of an older coach. Uh, He has a lot of years left in him, but – why would he leave the dynasty that he's building to go try to start over somewhere else, you know? And here is where I have to bring up the obligatory fact that no one in local media, Mike, including ourselves, ever brought up Lincoln Riley and USC being a thing. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Yeah, 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 I know. Clearly there is an exception to every rule. Caroline, uh, on Porter Moser, the Sooners' first-year head coach, obviously – uh, things have been rocky for the Sooners as of late. Had the four-game skid before they beat West Virginia earlier this week to snap the slide. Uh, what do you? What's your gauge on this Oklahoma men's basketball team through the first half of Porter Moser's first season at the helm? And how would you grade the way that things have gone thus far for him? Uh, like on a like A B C. Sure, yeah. Give it an A B. Give it a letter grade. You know, I, I think I give it probably a C plus because. You know, they are there, and they just cannot break through that threshold. I know they've, you know, uh, there was a close one in Baylor just last week. And every every team they've played, they've played collectively. They've played solid. They just haven't been good enough to beat their opponent. So, you know, first year, it's rebuilding. I think that, like, the system is completely different than years past. So, they're still going off of that. But I think that I, I would give them a solid, a solid C+. Plus. He's not below average, but he's definitely not a competitor yet, I don't think. All right. uh, So let's talk about your years at the University of Oklahoma. Caroline Grace, our guest, WTBM uh, uh, reporter and working in sports. And again, graduate of the OU Journalism School, but also from SEC country, Alabama girl, Auburn fan. How would you describe the differences between SEC football fans and, like, OU football fans? Um, how much time do we have here? Yeah, <laughs> you got a couple minutes. So that is the number one question, right? That's something I, – it was, I, it was an adjustment for me when I went to Oklahoma. You know, Auburn, I'll say it. You know, it, it stinks to say this, but we're a mediocre team in the SEC, average team, right? But you, your fans, the fans in Auburn, you think their team is going to the Natty every year, and they're going to tailgate like they're going to the Natty, and they're going to support them like they're going to the Natty. And that's the difference between, you know, SEC and Oklahoma. I don't think I went to, like, one family-ran tailgate my whole time. I mean, I was working most Saturdays, but still, that's just the difference is everyone here is diehard, like, do not have weddings during football season you know, roots run deep, traditions that last forever. And I just, I think there's just a big difference in passion between fans. And that, that's one thing I think is going to be a wake up call when Oklahoma and Texas move because 
yes, I think, you know, OU fans, Texas fans probably are the more passionate and intense fans of the West, but they are nothing compared to a losing LSU team's fan base, an Ole Miss's team's fan base. And then that's not even talking about Alabama and Georgia who are successful. The the oh, LSU okay. fans are not human. They are – they're just – Despicable creatures. They're despicable yeah. creatures. Well, the there, the there you have it, folks. Until we cancel all fall weddings in the state of Oklahoma, this <laughs> Sooner Nation is hey. not on the yeah. SEC's level. So, my, my brother got married uh, Labor Day weekend, twenty nineteen, and you would have thought that he just planned it on a national holiday. I mean, it was the opener, Auburn versus Oregon. We were all trying to watch the game, like sitting at a table. He was so mad about it. We were like, well what you get for planning a wedding during football season, I guess. <laughs> All right, Caroline, before we let you go, prediction for the game tomorrow between the Sooners and the Auburn Tigers on the Plains. I think it's going to be a good matchup, Parker. I think, you know, realistically, um, Porter Moser should look at the Loyola-Auburn matchup earlier in the season, be able to take away a lot of game notes from that. I think they need this win. They've gotten votes to the top 25, but they just aren't ranked in there quite yet, so – you know, I'm going. I think it might it might be a close one. I go 62-55 Auburn. There you go, Caroline. Thanks for your time. We will talk to you uh, down the road, particularly uh, with uh, the Sooners moving to the SEC. Uh, I think you'll be making some appearances on the show if that's all right. We'd like to have you yes. back. All right, would love it. Thank you, Caroline. Appreciate it. Caroline Grace, WTBM in Columbus, Georgia, covering the SEC. And uh, it's right there where she covers Georgia, Alabama, Auburn. But uh, an Auburn Tigerette, I guess. Uh, Auburn's only loss on the year was to Connecticut in double overtime. That was in the battle for Atlantis, I think. And that was like a, a hundred. and it, it was a plus 100 game. And Auburn lost by four or five points uh, to UConn. Other than that, they've been perfect. Number one team in the country. All right, we'll take a break right here. It's Friday, folks, on The Ref. We shall return.
Okay, welcome back. Friday, what's happening? How we doing? Big weekend plans, Parker. Is this uh, the Sooners are out of town? So do you actually get like a full two days off? I mean, I never count on it. Because especially with portal combat mm-hmm. winding down to the finish line. Uh, who knows? There might there might be some uh, some moves made this weekend, not just with regard to the portal, but definitely with regard to recruiting as well. Naturally, you got seven guys, as we mentioned yesterday, that Oklahoma is still very much in the running for down the stretch. You never know when these announcements are going to drop. And uh, you get this close, you kind of figure that everybody that's still undecided is just going to make their annou- announcement on National Signing Day for the pomp and circumstance. You know, in some cases, that's not the case. Some guys decide they want to get it over with and get announced a couple days before National Signing Day. So that's what I uh, that's what I will have my eye on here over the next couple of days. Grayson Halton, who decommitted from uh, Oregon, I know you think he's he's probably headed to Oklahoma, but did I see his final three? OU, Oregon, and Miami. Yes, and that's one of the guys that will definitely be announcing uh, in signing a day televised decision on National Signing Day. Uh, the televised decision is always interesting and uh you know a lot of them happen on uh, cbs sports hq that is correct right amanda gare is there she's doing a really good job former channel five reporter sooner grab uh doing a really good job and doing some sideline work in college football so are you a fan of like the uh the hat shell game and all that stuff or do you like the straightforward meat and potatoes announcement it doesn't much matter to me as long as I know when it's going to happen so I can be prepared. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. That's really all I care. Like, occasionally these guys will make pop announcements out of nowhere that just take everybody by surprise. Uh, Daniel Parker, the first transfer edition for Oklahoma, was a great example of that. I remember we we spent about – we spent close to 24 hours trying to figure out if that was actually real or not. If he was actually committed to Oklahoma, he was like, at the time, none of the coaches followed him on social media. He didn't follow any of the coaches back. And so it, it was just a weird situation. We, you know, trying to connect the dots as to how that all happened, uh, it was somewhat mystifying. But found out eventually it was legit. You know, we were talking about this earlier. The portal has become such a huge part of college football. And I, I don't think this is a myopic uh, view uh, or a homer view, and there are some homer views here, I'll admit to them, but the Sooners will have had the two most prolific people ever to go through the portal, and uh, Jalen Hurts and Caleb Williams. Are there any bigger ones than that? No, I mean, it's, it, it's those two and Jackson Dart. Those are probably the three biggest names to hit the board, unless I'm just completely spacing on something. Yeah, and if we are, help us out on the Air Comfort Solutions text by the line. Way, by the way, we need to get there. Text line did help us out on the IMG conversation. TJ Pledger was an IMG guy as well. Oh, but he wasn't an Oklahoma guy. I knew, not from the state of Oklahoma. Yes, but we were, when we were talking about how Buki might have been the only guy right. that Oklahoma yes, had signed correct. from IMG, TJ Pledger was another one. Okay. Buki uh, didn't pan out real well. I remember the first spring practice. Um and you know his teammates, they love Buki, right? I mean, they Buki really was did. Very well respected. He in was, that locker room. and Buki's problem was the you know the unsportsmanlike conducts and some of the flags he drew. You can still remember the Bedlam game, and um, you know, and he was limited size wise. Uh, I, 
I, I don't know. Shouldn't have been a five star, I guess, but that happens. And uh, you know, but Muleshoe was campaigning to try and keep Buki on the OU roster, right? When he went in the portal, because I think he was a good locker room presence. But I can still remember the first spring practice. People talking, man, uh, Buki's going to be the next Honey Badger. You know, Tyron Matthew kind of guy and yeah, he actually the, had a decent spring when he first came in he did i mean he was starting as a true freshman yeah uh, people who act like buki was a scrub clearly don't remember 2018 when he was actually a bright spot yeah on that atrocious mike stoops defense yeah and, and buki had his moments he did um, and i think the hype when you come in that hyped uh it's hard to live up to it. yeah and the last two five-star defensive recruits the sooners have had right you had buki and you had caleb kelly and Caleb Kelly had a solid career. A lot of injury issues, though. Great guy, great teammate, great dude. Going to be successful in whatever he's doing. He's done some broadcasting. And, again, he made a lot of plays for OU. But when you're billed as a five-star, you know, people expect, you know, just you're, you're immediately you're going to the NFL. So, Jeremy Calhoun at running back, remember? Ah, Van Texas's own. He was a five-star kid. And, you know, but here's the deal. And, and you, you hear a few people, they don't say it as much, but I'd rather have an Oklahoma kid who got no stars who wants to play for OU. You know, guess what? <laughs> you want to take your chances with five stars. <laughs> then you end up like Oklahoma State if you do that. You'll have one nice season every decade or so, but for the most part, you're winning seven or eight games in the Big 12. Now, I think you're shortchanging OSU there. I mean, this year they had their biggest win in school history. Their yeah, program I is mean, more solid than it's ever been. And when you're competing against Oklahoma, like I said, you don't have the Ferrari like the Sooners have. You've got a real solid uh, you know, Corvette or something. But... I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But I, I, I don't know. I think Oklahoma State's a really good program right now. And uh, Mike Gundy's done an excellent job. And I think Mike Gundy's in a really good spot right now. He likes the administration much more than uh, the previous administration. All right. We've got another hour to go. More Sooner football conversation. We'll jump into the NFL and more. Keep it here on The Ref.
We are back with you for hour number two, presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, are you fired up for some uh, conference championship action this weekend? Which game are you looking forward to the most? Uh, Rams, 49ers at SoFi, or the Bengals in Kansas City? I think the Bengals in Kansas City, that's going to be the way more exciting football game because you get to watch Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes do battle again. And, oh, by the way, the last time those two faced off, it was a classic yeah. in Week 17. Bengals won. I lost a fantasy football championship that weekend because my opponent had both Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. But, you know, not that tough to swallow given the season those two had. So, regardless, that's going to be a really fun football game. There should be a lot of points scored. Rams-Niners intrigues me. Because, if you'll recall, Mike, the only reason that the Niners are in the playoffs right now is because they rallied from 17 down yeah. in the final yep. week of the regular season to beat the Rams in overtime. And they beat them by three touchdowns early in the season. So they're 2-0 and against the Rams this year. Jimmy G against Matt Stafford. Uh, Trent Williams hasn't practiced this week. My guess is he's going to give it a go coming up uh, because, he, you know, Oklahoma has – uh, three of the best linemen in all of the NFL. Oklahoma also has more guys playing this yeah. weekend than any other school. Which is really cool. But when you talk about uh, two guys that are maybe, the, uh, I think, the best at their positions right now in the NFL, and it's crazy to say Creed Humphreys <laughs> early in his career, but, I mean, he's been unbelievable. And Trent Williams, considered the best tackle in football. Orlando Brown in Kansas City, also having a great year. I was thinking about this, though, today. With all the angles on the Bengals and uh, Kansas City at Arrowhead this weekend, Zach Taylor, son of a Sooner, Norman, Oklahoma, Sherwood's boy, uh, you know, started his collegiate career at Wake Forest, ends up at Nebraska, uh, and look like, you know, he was going to be one of those many coaches who would be a failure at Cincinnati, but certainly they've turned things around to get to the conference championship. The AFC championship game is unbelievable. Good for Zach. Um, and, but think about Joe Mixon. Uh-huh. What a talent. What an unbelievable talent at OU. Mm-hmm. And all the controversy, and I can remember when – you know, the incident happened, which was one of the ugliest incidents ever involving an Oklahoma football player with the video and everything. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible deal. And Bob Stoops got criticized by a lot of people for the decision that he made. And keep in mind that there was disciplinary action involved. He, he They didn't let him play for a year. I was one of the people who criticized him. I'll just sit here and tell you, I, I thought, you know, Joe Mixon, yeah, give him another chance. It doesn't have to be at Oklahoma. Bob Stoops made the decision to suspend him for a year, brought him back. I think he had one minor incident with like a university traffic cop or something at one point that was, you know, wouldn't have been any kind of news had he not been in the trouble he was in already. But look where Joe Mixon is now. They love him in Cincinnati when he was first drafted there. The Bengals fans are like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, great talent, but we're taking this kid. And it turns out Bob Stoops did not give up on him, and he's turned out to have rallied pretty impressively from a really ugly, ugly incident. And props to Joe Mixon for that. And I understand there are people who will ne- who will refuse to look at him the same way ever again based on that right. one incident. And look, 
by no means are any of us going to sit here and excuse that incident. No, but no, I also don't not. think it's fair to define one guy and only be able to acknowledge him for what he is based on one thing that happened when he was a freshman in college. And all you can do as a human being, as an individual, after enduring something like that and after making that type of egregious mistake is conduct yourself like a consummate pro and do your best to put it behind you and make your play on the football field overshadow and override the narrative that was created due to that off-the-field incident. And to his credit, Joe Mixon has done that. You know, and I think that uh, that was the most controversial thing that Bob ever did as head coach That's at probably Oklahoma. True. No doubt about it. And nationally, he took a hit on that for a while. But it turned out to be the right decision. And he didn't give up on the kid. And I, I'm sure there was a lot of thought that went into that decision. I, Bob Stoops is not the kind of guy who's going to go, well, this kid's so good, we just got to keep him. You know, but, um, you know, he's turned out to be one of the best running backs in the NFL. Phenomenal talent, can run the ball, can catch the ball. Uh, just so, uh, you know, versatile and such a weapon for the Bengals. But thinking back to where that could have gone, uh, Bob Stoops didn't give up on him, and I guess the administration didn't give up on him. And certainly they were embarrassed. They weren't happy with it. I mean, there's no way you could be happy. But, you know, they just they decided to make a decision that wasn't real popular at the time. And it stuck their neck out to a certain extent for that kid, and it's been the right decision. And it's, you know, you look back and people forget. I don't think they'll ever forget what happened. But nationally, you know, there's, there were some people roasting Bob Stoops for that decision. And... It's one of those deals where they're not coming back saying, man, well, Bob Stoops didn't give up on him. And, you know, it's just kind of so far on the back burner that um, I think Bob, who was uh, criticized by a lot of people, ended up making the right decision for that kid and anyway. One listener points out on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, he didn't give up on Dusty Dvorak either. No, he didn't. And, and yeah, Dusty's another guy. I mean, look at him now. No, you're right. Absolutely. And Dusty's gone on to a great success in uh, in broadcasting. And, you know, if you may, look, we all make some really bad mistakes. Now, I, I can't imagine ever making one like, you know, hitting a female. But I also know in the culture we live in now, based on some of the things I did back in high school and, co well, college, I got a little more responsible. But I did a lot of stupid stuff. I would have been canceled about five or ten times, you know? <laughs> yeah, and that's the reality for just about anybody, Mike, is that if, <laughs> if social media had existed for the last 40 years, we would have been canceling a whole lot of folks, either in the moment or retroactively. And... Again, I think what we have to do with these kind of things is distinguish between mm -hmm. bad decisions and bad apples, right? No, there that's is, a good way to put it. I like that. You have a guy like Joe Mixon who makes one egregious mistake and then is contrite and does everything he can to portray himself as an upstanding individual and citizen who just did one stupid thing, as opposed to somebody, for instance, like... Antonio Brown, who has proven time and time again that <laughs> he's no, a yeah, bad actor. Right. Yeah. And and there's there's uh, a mental issue going on with Antonio Brown. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, it's just fascinating to see where Joe Mixon is now and how that situation could have turned out. Uh but he's he's done uh, done the right things since and uh 
you know, set for life financially, and here he is playing in the AFC Championship game this weekend. We knew that Creed Humphrey was really good, but did we know that Creed Humphrey was this good? Because they love the man in Kansas City. We played the song, you know. Well, I, t- I, I tell you what, Mike. So I went. Uh, I was actually talking to a classmate of Creed Humphreys. Uh, they graduated together at Shawnee High, mm-hmm. and I asked him, "Man, what is it like to be watching your old theater buddy just tearing up the NFL as a rookie?" And he said, "None of us are at all shocked." Really? Like, well, wait a minute. What do you mean theater, buddy? Was he like in Creed, the- Creed was a theater kid. Really? Did he do like uh, the musical Oklahoma or what? I mean, I'm, he's from Shawnee. I'm sure he did the musical Oklahoma at some point. But no, like that. The, the, the reaction was, yeah, none of us are at all surprised because if you saw the athlete that Creed was in high school and you spent as much time around him as we did- we all knew that he wasn't just going to be good. He was going to be special. Well, he had a wrestling background too, right? Didn't he? Creed? I believe so, yeah. I think that's right. And I'm telling you, the wrestlers are the badass humans, the biggest ones on the planet. You don't mess with a wrestler in any circumstance. A.J. Ferrari, you know, look, at, thank God he's all right, by the way. Uh, but think about what he just survived. And... Uh, you know, Kelly Gregg, my my uh, old teammate over at the, the franchise, one of the best dudes ever, Kelly Gregg. Just a great, great, great dude. But think how long he lasted with the Baltimore Ravens. Forever. He was voted one of their uh, top 25 players of all time. I think he's right in at number 25 and a state champion wrestler. So, But I had no idea that Creed Humphrey played like Biff Lohman in Death of a Salesman. I, had, I didn't know that. <laughs> Uh, we'll have to. You think he's got an IMDb page? He should. He absolutely should. But good for him, man. And you've got both, you know, and the Chiefs have, I guess, uh, of, of all the. Well, you've got, let's see, you've got Mixon, Samaje, Jordan Evans, and the Bengals. You've got Bobby Evans and Oboe, who made a couple plays last week, by the way, in the, uh, in the win uh, the Rams had. Uh, and then in Kansas City, you got Creed. You have uh, Orlando, Brown. Orlando Brown, James Winchester, the long snapper, Blake Bell, uh, and who am I missing? You're missing Trent Williams. Trent Williams on the Niners, yeah, only the best tackle in football we just talked about. And, uh, and, and to an extent, you kind of have George Kittle, even though he was an Iowa guy, but he played at Norman High School. And uh, There's another guy that I think we all thought, yeah, he's a good, solid high school player, became a good, you know, solid player at Iowa, too, but has you know, made himself a bucket of money and is one of the best tight ends in the NFL over the last decade. And, you know, unbelievable. I Man, I remember, and I've told you this before, Mike, but one of my first jobs in media was as a producer, like an in-house producer, uh, in at this little radio station in Omaha, Nebraska that was on the Iowa flagship radio network. So, I sat and listened, basically. I would sit there and listen and punch a few buttons and run a couple spots every day for eight hours on fall football Saturdays when Iowa was playing. And George Kittle was a jag at Iowa. Like, Mm -hmm. no one would have thought, yeah, that dude's going to be the best tight end in the NFL, arguably. Certainly top three, six or seven years from now. Like, he was good. Don't get me wrong. It's not like he was a scrub. But if you had told me at the time... 
that dude's going to be tearing up the National Football League within five years. I'd have said absolutely no way. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. All right, so wait a minute. You were on the Iowa Football Network? Yes, this radio station that I worked at was one of the affiliates. Okay. Well, it's weird. There's our connection, too. I was on the Iowa State Football Network for two years. Did the uh, post game and, like, the scoreboard, you know. Yeah, I didn't do, was I didn't really do weird. anything but and sit I in that did, studio and run the local spots. And, which I did from the top floor at 50 Pin Place in Oklahoma City. Uh, I was on the Iowa State Network, which was very weird. You know. Know. Oklahoma City. Interesting. Yeah, and, you know. So anyway, okay. All right, we got to take a break right here. Let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line when I get back. Riverwind Casino tonight, big drawing tonight, the $80,000 Rockin' and Reeling giveaway, the big drawing, 6 to 11.30. Get out there, get out there, have a great meal at Chips and Ales or the River Buffet on steak night or the food court's a great option. Win your share of the $80,000 in cash and bonus play. Three names drawn out every half hour from 6 to 11.30. So you have a great chance there. And then two grand prize winners just before midnight. Another great promotion from our friends at Riverwind. Simply the best. Be right back.
Okay, welcome back, welcome back. Happy Friday, everybody. Ready for the weekend. A little NFL action on uh, Sunday. First game out. Chiefs and Bengals at Arrowhead. Kansas City, a touchdown pick in that matchup against Cincinnati. 2 o'clock, that's the CBS game. 5.30, the Niners and the Rams. Uh, The Rams, a a three-and-a-half-point pick in that matchup with uh, San Francisco. That's the 5.30 Fox broadcast. Have you uh, seen that this could be... Troy Aikman's last Fox broadcast. I've heard those rumors. Amazon Prime, uh, you know, coming. <laughs> Imagine that. Jeff Bezos poaching Troy Aikman from Fox. Do you have to go on a flight with Jeff Bezos uh, in a rocket to to sign the contract? I don't know. But Troy said, I don't think it's going to be my last, but you, you don't know. So that's what you do when you're negotiating, I mean, right? like, I, the first – I remember watching NFL games as far back as like 2004, but I remember when the when the whole broadcast system reconfigured for the most recent time in 2006 and they paired Joe Buck with Troy Aikman on Fox. That was the year that like I started watching NFL games every single Sunday. And so like I've really never known anything different turning on Fox than Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So, yeah, yeah, it would be absolutely. weird if Joe Buck were paired with like I don't know who even would be the next. Who who would be Troy Aikman's replacement? Ah, man, I don't know. Ben Roethlisberger, maybe. (laughs) You know, they always want to get look. Drew Brees, where was he right after he retired? He was right there. You know, on NBC. Quarterbacks know the game. Yeah, they do better than anybody, as Tony Romo has proven. You like Romo as an analyst? You like? I do like Romo. I remember when I found out Romo was going to be like CBS's lead color guy alongside Mm -hmm. Jim Nance. I was like. Tony Romo? Like what? Because you remember, he did not have a reputation as being an outstanding communicator in front of the media, right? Like, yeah, I mean, he wasn't. Not that he was horrible, no, but it's you not didn't like see he was, him as super loquacious, you know, a guy. Exactly. And so I remember scratching my head at that, and then by broadcast number two, I was like, oh boy, this was a home run. Yeah, he he does a nice job. I Troy, I still think I like Troy a little bit better. Collinsworth, I could take Collinsworth. You know, he's all right, but Madden, of course, set the standard. Uh, yeah, there will no be an, there will never be another no, Madden. There absolutely will not. But I can remember uh, Troy Aikman uh, when he was at the University of Oklahoma. Freshman workouts got underway early, and I remember going over there to get some audio and talking to Troy Aikman. And uh, he was kind of soft-spoken. I mean, not that he was super shy or anything, but, you know, and look, he's a he's an 18-year-old kid at that time uh, from Henrietta, Oklahoma. Of course, California-born, though. But uh, I wouldn't have thought, you know, this guy is going to come on, eventually going to be one of the top football analysts in, in the history of the game. And that's what Troy is. And, of course, uh, you know, Super Bowl rings with the Dallas Cowboys, multiple Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he's become an excellent uh, broadcaster, no doubt about it. But it might be, could be his last Fox broadcast coming up on Sunday. All right, you want to get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line? 405-651-3439. Uh, I also have, this came in, a friend of mine sent me this. He, there's a guy named Aggie Bill, big Oklahoma State fan, big, uh, well-respected, uh, big sports radio listener, and uh, this is what uh, some of you guys probably know, Wild Aggie Bill, but my friend uh, Driver sent this to me because 
he can't go on the radio, but he said, OU fans, it's time for me to eat some real humble pie. I met with Barry J. Sanders and OU's Joe Mixon for dinner not too long ago. I obviously didn't want to like him, talking about Mixon. Obviously, for what transpired a few years ago and was still sore about his touchdowns against my OSU Cowboys as the evening wore on and through interrogation of me, he easily accepted full responsibility and was humble beyond what I ever expected. I asked him why he stayed at OU after the incident. What he told me shocked me. It's what I have counseled many kids over the years. You can't quit. His beautiful parents told him, son, you can't quit. If you quit now, it will become your habit. You will quit on your wife or kids later in life. Quitting is not an option. You could have knocked me over with a feather, although I feel like, oh, you should have dismissed him. I want to go on record and say I'm glad they didn't. I owe Bob Stoops, Joe C., and President Bourne, and all of my OU friends an apology. And most of all, I owe Joe Mixon and his family an apology for my words, my childish rants. And I will tell you, Bob has prepared a player to move forward in his life and be prepared in the NFL. The bottom line, I was very very opinionated at the time and wrong. He was worthy of being a sooner and I wish him success. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, uh, Joe Mixon again. And, and Cincinnati is not the easiest place to stand out as an NFL player. I, I wonder how many hall of famers like the Cincinnati Bengals have, you know, compared to other organizations, Anthony Munoz would be, who else would be, um, is Boomer in the Hall of Fame? I don't think Boomer's in the Hall, is he? I don't know. I'd have to go ahead and Google it up. Paul Brown? Paul Brown, uh, yes, but he's with Cleveland and Cincinnati, okay. right? And if, Paul Brown was also, wasn't he, at Ohio State at one time? Way back yeah, I'm in sure the day. he was. He's hitting everything on the, every, every pin on the map in the state of Ohio. Icky Wood should have been in there just for the Icky Shuffle back in the day. I mean, one of the greatest dance moves of all time that even I could execute. All right, uh, one of our listeners says, I think Creed was one of the Sooners who really benefited from enrolling early and participating in winter and spring workouts slash practices and then being redshirted later that fall. That's a good point because Creed would have been one of the last crop of early enrollees that got to work out under Schmitty in the winter. The 2018 guys didn't get to do that. So, yeah, good point. And look, Creed was going to be great one way or another, but... I think getting on board with Schmitty early, and you know, people don't understand how much, how much weight an extra spring carries. How good that is for a player in terms of their ability to be able to contribute immediately. That's why you saw, you know, the guys that made contributions as true freshmen for Oklahoma this past year. Really, the only guy that you look at, unless I'm just completely overlooking somebody, Danny Stutzman was the one of the summer enrollees that really made an impact. But all the dudes that did – basically all the dudes that did significant things for that football team in 2021 as true freshmen were the early enrollees. Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, Ethan Downs, guys of that ilk, Billy Bowman. So it is hugely beneficial for a player to be able to experience that. And uh, what are we looking at enrollee, uh, early enrollees for Oklahoma? You know that uh, Nick Evers is here, right? Who else is coming? Kanak, obviously. Who else? Is it, say, say this again here? Er, early en enrollees. Oh, en early enrollees. Okay. I, just, I mean, that was – okay. I, I got you now. There are a whole bunch of them. Uh, you got Robert Spears Jennings. You got Caden Helms. You got Nick Evers. Gosh, I really should just go to the whole list because there are more guys early enrolling at Oklahoma than – 
enrolling in the summer. Like the vast majority of this recruiting class among the guys who already committed or uh, among the guys who already signed uh, are enrolling early. So let's see here. Uh, just going down the list, Gavin Sawchuk, he's a summer enrollee. Javante Barnes is already on campus. RSJ is on campus. Jake Taylor uh, is not on campus yet. He's a summer enrollee. Kobe's on campus. Nick Evers is on campus. Jaden Gibson's Gibson. already here. Nicholas Anderson is already here. Jacob Sexton is wrestling this spring, so he won't be uh, at OU until June. Kip Lewis is on campus. Jaden Rowe is not. He's a summer enrollee. But you got Helms, Llewellyn, uh, and then Cedric Roberts and Alton Tarber I don't know 100% about. Those are the two that I'm That's not the sure kid but from have, uh, Georgia Tech, right? Yeah, those two defensive yeah. linemen. Uh, Gentry Williams, obviously he is not signed yet. So uh, when he does sign, he'll be on campus in June. And then Jaron Kanak is already here. All right, by the way, Cincinnati Bengal uh, Hall of Famers I'm looking at on the Pro Football Hall of Fame website. Uh, Boomer is in the hall, according to – wait a minute. Does this say Bengals.com Hall of Fame? I'm going to have to figure – because the scene <laughs> the that Bengals. I'm seeing, no, but, Hall of Fame is decidedly says, different from the NFL Hall of it's, Fame. Okay, it says Team Greats. I'm going to have to go because they've got, like, uh, Ken Anderson on there. Ken Anderson can't be in the, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I would think not. Uh, like Tim Crumry. Uh, Munoz, I know he is because he did the uh, chest bump with former Sooner Tommy McDonald uh, during his Hall of Fame speech. So, anyway, uh, I will check. Okay, uh, Charlie Joyner, Anthony Munoz. I'm trying to. I'll try and figure it out because I'm, I'm wondering uh, if they may have. You know, you've got some organizations that are younger that are going to have less, but for an organization that's been around a long time, I'd be interested to see, you know, how they compare with other teams in terms of uh, members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Okay, we should break right here. we got more texts rolling in, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Get you ready for the weekend. Let's get there. Sooners in Auburn tomorrow, 1 o'clock on ESPN. Cowboys in Florida, 3 o'clock on ESPN2. Sunday, Bengals in Kansas City, 2 o'clock on CBS. Niners and the Rams, 5.30 on Fox. Should be fun. The Pacers and the Thunder tonight from Paycom Center, by the way, at 7 o'clock as well. Coming right back.
Okay, welcome back. Good to have you with us. Ah, the immigrant song. Zeppelin 3. Still underrated, I think. And I also think of the uh, movie School of Rock with Jack Black now when I hear that song. It's only about two and a half minutes, but a really good song. All right, uh, good to have you with us on this Friday. Brandon Drum coming up. Uh, Based on what I'm seeing, the Cincinnati Bengals, by the way, they have three players in the Hall of Fame. Anthony Munoz, we talked about, uh, Charlie Joyner, and uh, Terrell Owens. But really, Joyner, you think more of him with the uh, the Chargers back in the Air Coriel days. And T.O., you think of, you know, his days with the Eagles and I know. the Cowboys. And he, nobody I mean, thinks of Terrell no. Owens as a bank. So he played really, for them, what, like, was that the yeah. last year of his career? It was yeah, one it, of them. It was like 2010. It's really, it's really Anthony Munoz. Wow. So, anyway. Okay. I, yeah, I would have forgotten Charlie Joyner yeah. played for the Bengals, and I certainly would have forgotten that Terrell Owens played for the Bengals. Charlie Joyner, a great player. I, I'm almost positive Charlie Joyner played for uh, Eddie Robinson uh, at Grambling. Man, this is how old I am before we get Brandon Drum on here. Uh, I used to remember Sunday co- of college football replay shows. Two of them, the OU replay show was at night. But on in the mornings on Sunday, you had the Notre Dame replay – with Lindsey Nelson, we now move along to action in the third quarter. And then you had uh, the Grambling replay show, which was really cool. And I would sit there as a kid mesmerized by both of them. All right. Uh, Brandon Drum joining us, 24-7 Sports, OUinsider.com. And uh, Brandon, uh, Jackson Darts. Uh, looks like it's probably going to be Ole Miss. What are you thinking? Sounds like it. I don't. I, I I put my hands up in the air on that. Kind of waved the white flag on all things quarterback transfers lately, uh, because none of it's made sense. None of it's really followed what we're used to seeing happen on the recruiting trail. It's been kind of, you know, the timelines are completely different. Whereas you you have a set timeline for these quarterbacks. Normally they they got to commit early in the process so they can be the leaders of the class and then help build whatever class or school's class that they're in uh, for that year. With the quarterback, as far as transfers goes, it's kind of hit or miss. You had the early guys show up and they, they landed, whether it was your Dylan Gabriels, all those other guys that hopped in the portal and then landed in other places. Now you have the late guys, the Jackson Darts, the Caleb Williams, all those type of guys that are just kind of sitting around waiting and – trying to make up their mind people are probably you know they've got to make a decision one way or the other you hear that he's enrolled at Ole Miss so you kind of figure that that's where he's headed but when I talk to people they're like yeah 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 it's it's almost assuredly a done deal but it's not a done deal when people say stuff like that there's something else going on behind the scenes normally that could twist things very quickly to another school's direction, and we don't really know what that is. Some people say it's Caleb Williams and what he's going to decide to do, but I can't see him making a decision here this weekend or anything like that. So uh, I don't know that Jackson Dart's going to be able to wait that much longer. He doesn't really have the the backup that Caleb Williams does with UCLA being able to enroll in March. So uh, if things don't work out with other places, he can just hop on over to – you know, Westwood and, you know, land there and 
make a career out of it at, at uh, UCLA wearing the powder blues. So uh, I don't know that he has that, speaking of Jackson Dart, that he has that type of timeline, if you will. And plus he has a teammate that's sitting there waiting with him. So, you know, and, and Michael Trigg, the tight end. So this is just a weird deal all the way around. You know, Michael Trigg's got to be getting, you know, kind of frustrated with this whole ordeal as well telling him to make up his mind or go to BYU so he can trigger himself can make up his mind because he's not going to BYU with him. So this is just kind of one of those deals where we just all sit around and wait. And when they make a decision, they make a decision. One way or the other, Oklahoma's going to take another quarterback, whether it's now in the near future and or after the spring game and that second round of transfers start to happen after spring practices and everybody kind of gets upset because they don't feel like they're getting a fair chance so they're going to go somewhere new so they can sit on the bench there. So, um, you know, it's the way the world is with college football now. All right, Brandon, walk us through junior day this weekend. A lot of visitors <laughs> on tap for the Sooners. Who should we have our eyes on? Yeah, obviously, 2023 uh, four-star quarterback commit out of Denton Geyer. Jackson Arnold's going to be in town. Uh, you've got a, a four-star offensive lineman out of uh, Raytown, in uh, Kansas City, Missouri area, and Logan Riker, he's going to be in town. Derek LeBlanc, one of the top defensive linemen in the country out of Orlando, the Kissimmee, Florida area, he's already in town uh, getting ready for the junior day tomorrow. Yeah, McAllister's, I mean, fast-rising athlete, Eric McCarty, who's started to pick up a ton of Power 5 offers, and He's a OU legacy, so if I'm an OU fan, I'm watching him closely tomorrow because I would not be shocked to see him be part of the 2023 class in the near future. Uh, similarly, I would go with uh, Ashton Cozart out of Flower Mound Marcus, a four-star wide receiver, was close to committing to Oklahoma back in December, and literally the day that Lincoln Riley left, he was supposed to announce his commitment to Oklahoma. And obviously that got completely derailed, but Oklahoma's continued to push really hard. Kel Gundy has made a strong surge there, recruiting Ashton Kozar and built a strong relationship with him. And look, I think Oklahoma sits the top there. And again, he's another guy that I would watch closely if I was an Oklahoma fan. I'm not saying it's something's going to happen this weekend, but I really wouldn't be shocked one way or the other. Uh, you got Micah Tease, four-star defensive back, wide receiver, athlete, out of Tulsa Booker T. Washington that's going to be there. Obviously, he's a teammate and close friend of OU commit, soon to be OU signee, uh, Gentry Williams. And you have OU uh, offensive line commit, Josh Bates, out of Durango, Colorado. He's going to be there, four star running back out of Waco, Texas, uh, Trey Wisner. Um, his teammate, and 2024 athlete Kobe Black is going to be there as well. Uh, by Job, four-star Norman, uh, defensive lineman, edge rusher, literally one of the best athletes in the whole 2023 class is going to be there. And uh, he obviously being raised by uh, Dr. Bowen and all those guys, he has a strong connection to Oklahoma, but they're letting him make his own decision. And OU has got some work to make up because they are the new team that came around here in the last month or so to offer him. And the old staff didn't. So the new staff's having to make up the work that the old staff left behind there with by Joe. Uh, 
Kanaja Harris out of IMG, four-star offensive lineman, is going to be there. Uh, Caden Lee out of wide receiver out of Kennesaw, Georgia, is going to be there. Jacoby Johnson, four-star athlete out of Mustang, Oklahoma, is he's going to be there as well. Um, and so there, and there's going to be other guys uh, that you know we haven't seen or heard from all over the country. I heard you know there's a deep, deep four-star defensive back out of New Jersey. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but. You know, he's told me he was going to be there. And uh, there's a couple of guys from California. There's a couple of guys from more guys from Georgia, a couple more guys from Florida, South Carolina, all over the nation flying in for this one. So it's going to be a big deal for Oklahoma. This is a this is something you haven't seen Oklahoma do. Get these type of players in. This is like this is what Alabama and Georgia and the Clemsons of the world have been doing for years is getting these type of guys in for the big junior days. And you're seeing Brent Venables and the staff, this new staff that's like on the recruiting trail buzzing right now, getting these top players in from the 2023 and 2024 classes to come in and check Oklahoma out before the debt period starts before National Signing Day. Brandon Drum with us, 247sportsouinsider.com. Before we let you go, Brandon, uh, we're hearing, uh, you know, uh, the word is that Jared Kanak and uh, Javante Barnes are doing very well so far with Schmitty's Mm -hmm. training and everything. How much do you think those two can contribute to Oklahoma next season? I think they both really can. I think, for me, uh, I've always thought Kanak was going to be kind of the kid to watch just because, number one, his relationship. And he kind of, with with Brent Venables, and he has always fit kind of that, when Brent Venables was around in his previous regime at Oklahoma, there was always that really athletic linebacker that they would always get. And they would come in as a freshman and then start, whether it was a Travis Lewis, whether it was a, a Teddy Lehman, whether it was a Tom Ward, whether, you know, those type of guys would show up and then they would just be all the buzz. And you're seeing that again with Jaron Kanak. And I think he, he's going to take a huge step and be a big-time contributor, whether it's at the nickel, whether it's at an uh, outside linebacker. I, I don't know where it's going to be, but when you have a guy that's his size and he runs a 4-4, broad jump, 11-foot, 40-inch vertical, you know, just a ridiculous athlete and has the strength of throwing up what he did 275, 12 times, I heard. So – that's insane, and he's he's making his mark right now. It, obviously, the playbook and doing things on the football field are completely different things when it comes to the mental aspect, but athletically, he's right there. Same with Javante Barnes, same with several other guys uh, that have shown up early in the process, and you know, this, I, I assume that this freshman class is going to contribute more than people suspect just because there were so many of them that made it early as early enrollees. So uh, when you get that type of of mark and go through winter workouts and go through spring ball, you always have a leg up going into off season workouts in the summer and then fall camp. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked much like 2021 class to see quite a few guys starting to contribute in the 2022 season. Brandon, great stuff. We enjoy our uh, Friday get-togethers with you. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, guys. Brandon Drum, 24-7 Sports, OUinsider.com. Joining us here on Steel Man and Thune, well afternoon, almost to 2 o'clock. Don't forget, we're getting locked in with Parker and Tyler McComas at the top of the hour here on The Ref. 
Thank you, Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. We appreciate you sponsoring hour number two. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck. Oil changes engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. That's a heck of a guarantee. All right, we'll talk a little sooner. Auburn basketball when we get back here on The Ref.
Okay, rounding out Friday's show. Locked in coming up at the uh, top of the hour with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas. Oklahoma-Auburn tomorrow, 1 o'clock on ESPN. Sooners taking on the number one team in the country. And uh, one of the guys mentioned to be possibly the number one pick in the uh, NBA draft this year, Jabari Smith, the freshman from Fayetteville, Georgia, 6'10", freshman, shooting 40% from three. And he had a really off night against Missouri in Auburn's one-point win in Columbia against the Tigers earlier in the week. So we'll see. How the Sooners fare against uh, Jabari Smith and the Auburn Tigers coming up tomorrow, 1 o'clock on ESPN. Again, the Cowboys play at Florida. That's a 3 o'clock tip in Gainesville against the Gators on ESPN2. The marquee matchup in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, UK against KU. Kentucky at Kansas, 5 o'clock on ESPN. Okay, uh, Parker, let's pick these NFL games. Okay. I think that... Both favorites, both home teams, the Chiefs and the Rams are both going to win, and they're both going to cover. I know the 49ers have beaten the Rams twice, including that overtime comeback victory to get into the playoffs, and I know they beat them by three touchdowns early in the season, but I think the Niners are a little bit banged up. I just I like what the Rams did when they added Vaughn Miller, and the, the Rams pushed all the chips into the middle of the table this year to win a Super Bowl. And I think they're going to get there. So, and I, the Bengals are a great story. I want to see a great game, but I think the Bengals could be in a situation where if they get behind early and things don't go their way, they could be overwhelmed some by Kansas City, even though they beat them towards the end of the regular season. But that was a game in Cincinnati. Here's what I think. As I look at that Rams-Niners game, it is difficult enough to beat a team twice in a single season It is virtually impossible, Mike, to beat the same team three times in a single season. I look at last year's NFC playoff race as a perfect example. The New Orleans Saints beat the Buccaneers twice in the regular season. and I mean, throttled them in Tampa 38-3 on Sunday night football at one point. And then the Buccaneers turned around and beat them in the postseason en route to the Super Bowl. So, that in mind... I'm taking the Rams. I also just think they're a more complete football team than the Niners, who have needed a couple lucky breaks here and there, and credit to them for taking advantage of those things. But still, uh, I think this is probably the end of the line for them. I like the Rams out of the NFC. It's really hard to pick against the Chiefs, particularly at home in Arrowhead, and with the knowledge that they're going to be trying to avenge that loss that they suffered a month ago at the hands of the Bengals. This has all the makings of a Chiefs romp. And look, I'll, I'll low-key be kind of pulling for the Bengals because I would love to see Zach Taylor get to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I would love this upstart Bengals team to make a statement in that fashion. But the Chiefs at Arrowhead, you just can't pick against them. All right, so again, those are the Sunday games. The Sooners in Auburn again is the big story tomorrow, 1 o'clock, tip time on ESPN. I'm with you. I'd li- I want to see close games. That's the number one thing I'm rooting for. Uh, and, look, Kansas City, they've got a, a bunch of Sooners. Tyree Kill, obviously, Oklahoma State. Uh, at one point during his uh, college career, Sooner fans remember him very well. Don't punt twice, please. Unfortunately, yes. all too well. That dude is uh, man. You talk about he's just you can't lose him in the open field uh, like the Bills did, but of course the Bills came back. Joe Burrow or Josh Allen? Who are you taking long term? I think most people would say Mahomes is the AFC quarterback, and look, Aaron Rodgers and uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, Giselle may say, you know what, Tom, you're done. 
Aaron Rodgers, who knows what's going to happen. But if, if you had to pick which guy would you want long-term, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow? I'm going to be honest with you. My my honest answer might be neither, and I might pick Justin Herbert over both. Really? But if I have to choose between Burrow and Josh Allen, I'm probably taking Josh Allen just because of the added dimension to the game that he run gives game. you via the run. And, I mean, also, you just watch him throw the ball. I mean, it explodes out of his hand. Burroughs had a great year, though, too. It's a tough choice. I would lean towards Josh Allen as well. All right, uh, Riverwind Casino, big final weekend for two huge promotions, the $80,000 Rockin' and Reelin' promotion. Final drawing is tonight from 6 to 1130 at Riverwind. Get out there and win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. Go have a great meal at Chips and Ales or the River Buffet on steak night. And uh, the final promotional drawing tonight for that, tremendous promotion. The $80,000 Rock and Reeling promotion. And don't forget tomorrow at 5 o'clock, Super Points and Super Plays. They announce the winners for the trip to the Super Bowl. You still have time to get out there and play on the gaming capital, the gaming capital group machines on the electronic gaming floor. Rack up as many points as you can if you're one of the top point earners. You could be winning one of many trips to the Super Bowl they're giving away in the Super Points and Super Plays promotion. So it's a big weekend at Riverwind. Simply the best. Locked In is coming up next. Have a great weekend. We'll see you.
Alright, I've officially changed my mind. Been telling you all for two weeks now that OU doesn't need Jackson Dart. They're fine. Dylan Gabriel's really good. Whether Jackson Dart, wherever he goes, it's, it's all good. It doesn't matter. I've changed my mind. OU needs Jackson Dart in a big way. If this kid is uh, so amazing that he can enroll at two different places, if he has the magical powers, Parker, that he can enroll at both Ole Miss and BYU, God knows what he can do on the football field. I've changed my mind. OU needs Jackson Dart because apparently this kid uh, can do something else that nobody else can. Well, he's not uh, enrolled. At, well, he's, he's been admitted to both <laughs> schools. Right? Enroll it. Like- enroll it. Uh, well, social media will tell you today that uh, he's enrolled at both uh, – uh, Ole Miss and BYU. Oh, gotcha. Well, to my understanding, some kids will do that. They'll enroll two different places just to kind of hedge their bets and be able to extend deadlines, as it were. So, I don't know. Like, obviously, all signs point toward Jackson Dard being an Ole Miss Rebel at this point, just kind of waiting on the final shoe to drop. But I think it's weird that <laughs> we had to find out secondhand that I, – first off, I thought it was weird up front – that it leaked that he was admitted to Ole Miss. Like, that's not news. Yeah. Like, a lot of people get get admitted to Ole Miss. I would hope, I would hope that if Ole Miss is seriously pursuing him, they're not turning him away academically. (laughs) Yeah. They're acting like they're the Harvard of the South now all of a sudden. Like, we really like you as a quarterback, but I don't know. Like, somebody actually took the time to write an article about Jackson Dart getting admitted to Ole Miss. Yeah, got to love it, man. Uh, that's where we're at now with the news cycle. So Good what's new with Jackson Dart? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to ask Chris Hummer coming up at 235 what's, what's going on there. So we'll table the Jackson Dart discussion until then and talk about this junior day that's upcoming this weekend. A lot of high-profile uh, prospects are going to be in, including Jackson Arnold, the newest Sooner commits, four-star quarterback. And I got to think it's it's a good situation anytime you're hosting a junior day with a lot of uncommitted guys and you have a four-star quarterback on campus to try to – you know how it goes. Quarterbacks like to rally the troops a little bit. That's – that whole situation will be working in OU's favor. Let me just say this, and I believe I said it yesterday with Steely, too. I would be surprised if on the other side of the weekend, OU doesn't have at least one new commit in the 2023 class. Well, I was going to set the over at one and a half for this weekend. Then I will take the over. Ooh, wow. The over one and a half locked emojis on Twitter, and you're going with the over on that. I, I wrote down over as well. And one of the reasons why I wrote down over, which it seems like there's a lot of these guys that are really close. That's the thing. Or have been close in the past. Yeah, you look at the list of guys that everybody expects is going to be a Sooner when it's all said and done. Eric McCarty, Ashton Cozart, Micah Tease. The Sooners are making headway with By Job, the kid from right up the road. Like, with all of the – with the Sooners already in such a good spot with all those guys and more, you add – into the you add in the fact that you've got your quarterback on campus, like you said, Tyler, to presumably to rally the troops and perform those secondary recruiting efforts. You gotta have at least a couple this weekend, you'd think. Yeah. Well, and another reason too why I think that they stand a chance to have you know getting more than you know one and a half commits, having two or more is, and I know this goes for a lot of coaches, okay. But if I had to evaluate where Brent Venable's strengths are as a recruiter. 
I got to think that he really knocks it out of the park face-to-face. Again, I, I know that probably most, if not all, recruiters work that way. If you if you get them one-on-one, you get their parents in a setting, whatever, uh, that, that's where they're really good. But I, I especially think that that's true for Brent Venables because the passion and the energy that we're always seeing from him, uh, that's not fake. That's genuine. And he doesn't just turn it on when he has to. It, with, with Brent Venables, that's a constant thing. Like, what you saw at the LNC last Saturday, like, that's constantly him all the time. And when you bring in recruits on campus and he's talking to mom and dad, he's talking to the kid on one-on-one, I I think that there's a lot of people that feel that in recruiting and really kind of relate to that and are like, yeah, I kind of – I want to be with this guy because he seems like a dude I want to play for. He's great in those settings. Bingo. And I'll go a step further. I think this week – in OU recruiting, between the Junior Day and between National Signing Day, this is going to be the biggest week in OU recruiting in at least six months. Yeah. I would say yeah. going back to that that week in July where they got Caden Helms and Malachi Nelson and Trayon Webb, and I want to say there was somebody else in the mix, all in the exact same weekend. So uh, there will be a lot of uh, there will be a lot of lock emojis thrown around on social media and uh, no eighty thousand dollar cars all in the end zone this weekend. Not going with that anymore. Like, did, was that the weekend six months ago that you're talking about where they brought uh, all the cars? No, out so that was in June. That was at the Champion Barbecue in June, but. Yeah, that was where all the uh, the luxury car photo shoots happened. <laughs> I, I think that those days uh, might yeah, be over. Jimmy Greenbeans is not going to be rolling a Lambo onto Owen Field. Yeah, so Jackson Arnold will be in. That, that'll be cool. Uh, Derek LeBlanc, uh, 2023 defensive end from Florida. You got any intel on him, on just what type of player he is? I mean, he's ranked high, but what, what kind of... I'm very interested to see. That is one particular recruitment where I am intrigued to see whether Oklahoma can make some headway. Because, to be honest, I I remember talking to Derek LeBlanc in the very, very early stages of his recruitment. He was one of the very first players in the 2023 class that Oklahoma offered. And OU's just kind of constantly, all throughout his process, been kind of hanging in the background. The dark horse, if you will. Because... He's a guy from SEC territory. Ostensibly, several SEC schools have been at the – they've comprised the peloton for Derek LeBlanc over the course of his recruitment. But he's always had a bit of a subtle interest in Oklahoma, and it's always kind of lingered. They've appeared in his top lists. And so now that you get Brent Venables and Todd Bates, both of those guys with significant recruiting ties in the southeast – Maybe you start to make a little bit more headway with a guy like Derek LeBlanc than the old staff had been. Logan Reichert, offensive lineman from the Kansas City area, another highly rated guy. Uh, do you feel like this is one of the dudes that could be sending out the lock emoji this weekend? I don't get that sense uh, just because there are so many other schools that are in the mix for Riker right now, and he's got new offers pouring in day after day. He is tight with Caden Green, another four-star offensive lineman in the Kansas City area that I actually have an OU crystal ball in for. Uh, Caden Green grew up in Tulsa. 
uh, watched the Sooners, was an OU fan growing up, and so especially with Bill Biedenboe uh, at the helm in that recruitment, I, I get the sense that Caden Green will be a Sooner when all is said and done. So I'm interested to see whether that has any trickle-down effect on Logan Reichert, but I don't think it's a done deal with Reichert. I certainly don't think it's a done deal this weekend. I'm going to guess, if you think that OU is going over, you think that it could be Eric McCarty, the McAllister kid coming in? I think that's the one that everybody's looking at as the obvious choice, right? Like Because we know, everybody knows. Right, OU is the moon to Eric McCarty. That was the offer he's always wanted, and it was the prevailing opinion that as soon as he got the OU offer, it was only going to be a matter of time until he committed. Now, that said, you've seen schools like TCU and Baylor jump into the mix for Eric McCarty. Yeah, he's getting, his offer offered, list is really yeah, starting to expand. It's expanding. So, mm-hmm. again, that might be part of the reason why it wasn't an instantaneous deal. You know, he gets the OU offer and commits on the spot. But I don't get the sense that things have changed in that respect. OU is still the clear leader for McCarty from everybody that I've talked to. And heading into this weekend, again, if you're putting money down on who would commit on a weekend like this, Eric McCarty's right there at the top. Ashton Cozart, four-star wide receiver from the state of Texas, right behind him. Yeah, of course. I I guess I can say this now that uh, Brandon Drum mentioned it last hour with us, but Ashton Cozart was going to commit to OU on the day (laughs) that Muleshoe (laughs) left. So he was locked in, and things changed, obviously. Uh, And again, he gets back to OU for the first time since the staff turnover this weekend for Junior Day. And if you're putting money down, like I said, Eric McCarty's certainly at the top of the list. Ashton Cozart probably isn't far behind. Yeah, there was a question early on uh, when Brent Venables was here or got the job is, okay, they've been on the West Coast, they've been in some different areas, like where are they going to kind of – make a home with recruiting. Well, as of right now, they're kind of everywhere, man. They are kind of everywhere. They In-state kids, they're in on that, like Eric McCarty. Uh, you know that they're going to continue to go to Texas. Ashton Cozart, four-star wide receiver, got a chance to commit this weekend. He's from there. Derek LeBlanc, he's a Southeast kid. We've seen OU actively uh, you know, kind of be out in the Florida area this week. And then, of course, Grayson Halton, San Diego area, who everyone has a crystal ball out right now that he's going to commit or he's going to sign with OU over Miami and Oregon on signing day. So I like this, man. I like this a lot. It's not that they're just trying to attack one area. It's not just, all right, let's focus on Texas and let's focus in state. That's where we're going to make our hay. No way, man. They're going to go to the southeast. They're going to hit Oklahoma and Texas. They're going to be active out on the West Coast. It doesn't seem like this staff is putting any limitations on where they're going to be able to go out and get players. No, they're not. And I'm really curious to see, particularly with this staff uh, in place and the work that they've done recruiting the 2022 class down the stretch, I'm curious to see how the next few days stretch out with regard to who they add uh, to close out in 2022. Obviously, I think everybody considers it a foregone conclusion that Grayson Halton is going to be one of those guys that they add. Uh, our Mason Thomas and Ahmad Moten visiting Miami, and then you got Jamarian Burt in the mix, Cavante Henry, and then the five-star offensive lineman and Josh Connerly Jr. and Devin Campbell. So, uh, look, that may, that may not be all. There is some crazy movement every single year, the final week before National Signing yeah. Day. Jo- uh, Tyler, I put in a crystal ball about an hour ago for a blue-chip prospect and one who played in the Under, All- Under Armour All-American game, to Wyoming. <laughs> wow. That's how wild this wow. gets. Does he really like Laramie? 
It's, it's, is that what's it's, going it's on? It's a whole deal. It's a whole thing. But, wow. Huh. I didn't, yeah, know, I didn't again, know a recruiting visit to Laramie could be so awful. I, that's how bizarre the week of National Signing Day gets. So who knows? Maybe Oklahoma ends up with a guy that's not on anybody's radar. Well, right you now. know what they say about Signing Day. Anytime there's that Wyoming Cowboys hat on the table, you always got to hold your breath. You never know what can happen, right? Oh, Golly, when, when's the last time <laughs> Wyoming has been? I know that Josh Allen went there, guys, I'm, before you text that in, but he wasn't necessarily a huge prospect coming out. The last time Wyoming I, was in on yeah, a big player. I, I, I don't even have to fact check this. I guarantee you that if this player does end up at Wyoming, he is their highest rated recruit <laughs> in history. <laughs> yeah, probably so. All right, hit us up with your recruiting questions, football questions, and more on the Air Cover Solutions text line 651 3439. More to come next. Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on the the ref.
Locked in with McComas and Thune. This is a very unique uh, song selection right here. La La Land. Is that really where it, well, I guess it is, isn't it? Sounds like a uh, Broadway musical. Is that, where it's, is that where it's from? Pretty sure. I don't know who originally recorded it. I just I know the John Legend version. So hey, when you uh, left yesterday, you get out of here at two, and by what was it by three o'clock? No, I think you no you get yeah, out here. I three. leave at three. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. See, this, I'm still not used to the whole uh, switching around thing. All right, you get out of here at three. Um, we told people about the Mule Shoe Snake T-shirt yesterday at what two fifteen, two twenty, yeah, something like thereabouts. that. Uh, by four o'clock yesterday, all that giant box of T-shirts that we had, they were gone. Like, like I, I, I had to, yes, I had to shoo people away. I had to, I had to be on the rush and be like, "Hey, do not come to the station. We are we out have of no t-shirts. shirts." And people were still showing up to the station yesterday, being like, "Hey, do you have any more t-shirts left?" I have about, oh, I had about fifty DMs from people saying, "Hey, what do I have to do to get one of those mule shoe snake t-shirts?" We ran out in less than two hours, and it's not like our studios here in Norman. Are easy to get to. It's not like it's right off the the highway or anything. Like, no, we're, I, like, we're about twelve to fifteen minutes away from the highway. You, I mean, it's and it's, it's just kind of like a clandestine building. Like the first time I came here, I had to make a couple loops before I was like, I was really sure that that was it. I was like, oh, yeah, I, okay, I guess, yep, that's the building. It's a real commitment to get to the east side of Norman to get to our station. Yet in less than two hours, all those mule shoe snake t shirts we had were gone, which I found hilarious and awesome at the same time that, you know, so many people out there are dialed into us right here on the ref that they're going to show up all the way out here and get a t-shirt. So I mentioned it to management earlier this morning, okay? For those of you that are still wanting a t-shirt, I mentioned it to management like, hey, just saying this could be an opportunity for us at the ref store to, you know, maybe make more of these t-shirts and do something. And um, it is on the docket for the Monday morning meeting. So I will keep you all updated on uh, making some more Mule Shoe Snake t-shirts for all of you out there to get. Now, you're probably going to have to purchase them if we do get more. Um, the great thing about buying uh, apparel from the ref store is uh, we do donate that to charity. Pro- a, a, a portion of that does go to charity, so there's something there. But I'll have an update for you all on Monday about more Mule Shoe Snake t-shirts. So just to let you know. All right, let's hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line. One of our listeners says, Devin Campbell still 100% Texas, or how confident are you that he could come to Oklahoma? Crystal balls now, are still Texas, right? They're all still Texas. And I said earlier in the week, I, there was a point in time at which I would have put money down on Devin Campbell being a Sooner. Things were definitely treading in that direction. And I said that, and then about, <laughs> about 18 hours later, I received a bit of intel that caused me to completely reverse course on that. And at this point in time, Texas looks like the spot. If it's not, I'd be surprised. But it, I, it, I've said all along, like, OU has a better shot for Devin Campbell than Josh Connerly, and that was true for quite a while. Now it looks like OU might legitimately have a better shot for Josh Connerly yeah. than Devin Campbell. So who knows? That might be a recruitment that I'm digging on trying to find additional information on for another six weeks to come because he's not signing until March at the earliest. Let's so. let's uh, talk about Grayson Holton here because whereas, yeah, the Devin Campbell thing may not be trending in the right direction, Grayson Holton couldn't be trending in a better direction right now. Yes. You made the crystal ball earlier this week, and, and more and more people, after you put yours in, have you know put it at like a 7 or an 8 that he's going to end up on OU. Again, Grayson Holton, National Signing Day coming up in five days. He's picking between Oregon, Miami, and OU. 
six foot three, two hundred and seventy pounds out of San Diego. But what I want to talk about is he's listed as an edge player. Now, Marcus Stripling, I thought, had a pretty good Alamo Bowl. I, he, he made some really good plays. Some moments that he had weren't necessarily great, and, and those things didn't show up during the game, but he had some good moments. And for this OU defense to be, you know, maybe to the level that it was in, what, 2019, 2020, whatever, whatever year you want to use, that their best year under Alex Strange, for this OU defense to have a really good year, they're going to have to figure out a way to get pressure on the quarterback. Replacing a lot of guys up front on the D-line, replacing your edge player, I would say Marcus Stripling is probably the favorite now, but with Grayson Holton, are we talking about a guy that could be an immediate impact as a pass rusher? Uh, I'm going to say no, and that's because I don't think he ends up being a pass rusher. It's not often you see 270-pound guys coming off the edge. So my money is on Grayson Holton being a hand-in-the-dirt guy, strong side defensive end, or he just moves inside and becomes a defensive tackle. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. He moves plenty well enough to play edge at the next level, but I think for his physique and what his ceiling might be at a position that is more suited to the physical tools that he has at his disposal, I would guess that he's either a hand-in-the-dirt guy or he's just a defensive tackle. Yeah. Well, I, the 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 kind of the, the, the whole thing stays the same about you, you and I kicked around what's OU's best position group going to be next year. And, you know, we, we threw out secondary, we threw out linebacker, we threw out wide receiver. There's a lot of unknown with this team going into next year. Probably more unknowns with an OU team that there's been in quite some time, but that doesn't mean – that there's not a lot of talent on this roster. Just a lot of it is unproven talent. And I'll bet on Brent Vittables and the staff developing this talent. And, you know, when they're playing their biggest games in November, I think it's going to be a pretty daggum good football team. I think they're going to be a good football team in December. But as we look at this squad way too early on, I, your two questions are in the trenches. And I, and I understand Agreed. that that's where you want to be the strongest, but that's where OU's too big. The 2022 season is going to be defined, Parker. How quickly, how much better can they get on the offensive line? How can they replace those guys they lost to the NFL draft on the defensive line? There's your there's your story of the 2022 season, most likely. Agreed, and I think you have a guy that you, it, it, if you're looking at the defensive line and trying to find a guy that you can be really encouraged about heading into 2022, that guy is Ethan Downs. Yeah, I, I will make a bold prediction right now on January 28th, 2022. Ethan Downs will be an all Big 12 player. Wow. Next season. Okay. Well, you say that uh, fully knowing that here recently the Big 12 coaches have tried to do everything not to put OU guys on a defensive first team list. Remember, oh, yes. Remember that comment that Lincoln made before the OU Iowa State Big oh, 12 yes. championship game? Yes, like, God, me. it's amazing we won any games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, I'll say this much. It was kind of absurd that nobody along that Oklahoma defensive line made first-team All-Big 12 uh, this past year. But that said, it's obviously a new era. I don't know what kind of dynamics led to those omissions in the past. But, man, Ethan Downs is a guy that his ceiling is so crazy high. And you saw flashes this past year. There's a reason why he was the only true freshman on this roster, Tyler, that played in every single game. It's because he's that dude, and he's going to be that dude. You can pencil him in as a starter without question heading into next season. Yeah, um, Stutzman would have gotten close to that 
most likely, but he had that injury early on in the season. Um, I'm excited about Ethan Downs, too, but my excitement of Ethan Downs is not affecting my excitement for Danny Stutzman. I, I think whether we're all projecting and hoping that he's going to have a great offseason, which will lead to a breakout sophomore campaign. That's that's the opportunity that he has in front of him heading into the season. No doubt. And I think he's got the inside track to start, but I also think we got to keep in mind Danny Stutzman will have no shortage of competition. And that is not to say he's going to get lost in the shuffle in any capacity. But you got David Aguebu, you got Shane Witter, you got Jaron Kanak, man. Deshaun White coming back, TD Roof, Kobe McKenzie's in that conversation as well. I think Danny Stutzman save for Kanak, has the highest ceiling of any of those linebackers. But, man, here's the thing. If it comes down to Stutzman or Kanak, who starts? I I would – oh, my God. I'm going to say Stutzman, but don't hold me to that, all right? Legit, like – I reserve the the right to change my selection during spring I I think Danny Stutzman and Jaron Kanak are two guys that Brent Venables is just going to find a way to shove in the lineup in 2022, no matter how things iron themselves out. Like, you will see a lot of both of those players. Chris Hummer of 24-7 Sports about to join us here in a few minutes to talk about the uh, latest developments with Jackson Dart. God, I hope he has some answers because – following this thing for about the past three weeks, however long it's been, it seemed like an eternity, has been exhausting. But the conversation always goes back to Dylan Gabriel of like, well, if you don't get him, you're, you're fine with Gabriel. I am interested in what the plan is for him in terms of longevity at OU. Because there was a report out that OU was telling Jackson Dart, hey, Gabriel most likely going to be the starter in 2022, but after he leaves after one year, then this could kind of be your job in 2023 and beyond. So I wonder if the timeline changes at all. Like, is Dylan Gabriel approaching next season as his last year playing college football? Is is that kind of... Is that where we're at with the plan here? It's hard to tell. I don't know that that's the expectation, but I think everybody acknowledges that it's a very legitimate possibility. Because if he is as productive under Jeff Lebby as he was in 2019 under Jeff Lebby, and you'd imagine there's going to be <laughs> there's going to be even more of a step up, given that they're at Oklahoma together now and not UCF. Like if Dylan Gabriel's 2022 season goes as expected, he's going to have the type of resume that's going to make him more than qualified to be a day one or day two NFL draft pick this time next year. So. I don't know that we're looking this at this as a for sure one and done type of situation, but I think that's the likelihood right now. Yeah, I, I guess I have a feeling that he's gonna be he's gonna be more than a one year guy. Let's let's see who's gonna be in the draft class next year. Grayson McCall's gonna be there. Uh, Bryce, Bryce Young, Young, CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud will be Spencer there. Spencer Rattler. Rattlers will be there. Uh, I'm sure Carl Williams will try to convince Caleb Williams to you know rewrite the rule book and and enter into the NFL draft after two years. So compared Pull to Maurice Claret, compared to this year, it's gonna be a pretty stacked quarterback draft class. that it will that it will you know but there may be a lot of teams at that point in time that need an upgrade at quarterback so. yeah all right well let's find out about jackson dart is he enrolled at ole miss is he gonna go there is he gonna go to byu is ou still in the mix we'll ask chris hummer 24 7 sports coming up next keep it locked in right here to locked in with McComas and thune on the ref
Locked in with McComas and Thune, Chapel Supply, bringing you this hour of Locked In. Looking for a new career? Let Chapel Supply you with a new career. Apply online today at chapelsupply.com. Chris Hummer joins us now. He is a national college football writer and uh, covers the transfer portal for 24-7 sports. Which and, means he's been busy lately. Yeah, um, I also found out today, I didn't find out today, but I, I think everyone kind of realized again how smart of a guy Chris Hummer is because 24-7 Sports put out a post on Twitter. If you could get tickets for one game next year, which one are you choosing? They did not put the OU Texas game, and Chris is like, yeah, that's like the best experience I've ever had at a college football game. Go ahead and uh, do that as a write-in vote. So, Chris, um, if nothing else, you've won everyone over with your OU Texas submission today. <laughs> well, there's there's no better game in sports, man. Like, Unquestionably. There's nothing better than a corn dog and a beer at 9 a.m. and then 45,000 fans on both sides of the stadium in different colors. Hey, we, we, we're 100% with you, Chris. Uh, there, you will find no OU Texas slander here. I will say this past year, uh, OU Texas on October 9, 2021, Tyler, I mean, I don't know that I will ever experience an atmosphere that was as electric as that one. But, Chris, uh, you have been right there on the cutting edge of this whole Jackson Dart saga. Of course, uh, you entered your crystal ball prediction yesterday morning for Ole Miss and followed that one up in the evening with one for Michael Trigg. So, from your perspective, kind of take us through everything that has transpired over the last few weeks since Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg hit the portal. What do, what do we know? What don't we know? And what do you think the ultimate outcome is? Yeah, I mean, um, y'all have obviously done a great job at OU Insider covering the ups and downs of it as well. Um, Jackson Dart, when he first went in the portal, um, I had heard a couple teams would be in the mix. Um, UCLA, BYU, Ole Miss were the three I heard initially. Um, I was certainly surprised to see Oklahoma get in there as hard as it did. But um, as I understand it, for a long time there. Oklahoma is right there with Old Miss. Uh, BYU getting back into it um, about a week ago was a pretty big shock. I had been told they were pretty much out of the picture. So um, it's been it's been interesting, but the last couple days I've had multiple people tell me they think Old Miss is in a really strong position. As we've seen uh, within the last 12 hours or so, multiple outlets are reporting that he is listed in the Old Miss student directory. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's done because we've seen examples of this in the past where a player will enroll at multiple places as a transfer um, just because you have to have that paperwork in by a certain amount of time but um, I expect eventually I I don't know when it'll happen because I think the guys are enjoying the process but I do fully expect Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg to be Ole Miss Rebels eventually Um, obviously things could change um, and the longer we go without a public commitment um, that always makes you a little nervous, but uh, the sources I spoke to are very, very confident that they'll end up as Rebels. You know, a lot of OU fans throughout this po- process, Chris, have been kind of rolling their eyes like, okay, yeah, Caleb Williams is not coming back, but what's taken him so long? Okay, Jackson Dart might go to Ole Miss or BYU, but what's taken him so long? Do you have a theory as to why these two guys in particular have seemingly taken, you know, much longer than anybody else in the transfer portal to make their decision? I mean, theories are a dangerous thing, um, certainly. I, I guess to speculate a little, from Jackson Dart's perspective, I will say he never had a recruitment the first time. Like He was not really a national prospect until well into his senior year. 
of high school in Utah. We were still in the middle of a pandemic. You couldn't take visits. Um, he was a pretty relative unknown when he committed to USC, and then he kind of shot up the rankings and became a um, top 100 prospect. So I don't really think he got to enjoy that element of that. And as I think of that as playing a role in this process. Um, NIL is a real thing. Um, the more social media followers and the more intrigue you can create um, will equate to more dollars down the line potentially for these guys. And I think that's at least part of the reason why this has taken a little while for Jackson Dart to make something official. Uh, I think Caleb is a totally different <laughs> conversation, a totally different story. I think Caleb has unique leverage in college football. I could be wrong. He could announce for USC later today. Um, I've heard a lot of mixed things about Caleb. I don't expect that to happen based on who I've talked to. Um, but the ad drop deadline for USC today, so that's at least something to keep in mind. But um, I think Caleb wants things at certain schools to happen. I think Caleb is waiting for dominoes to fall in offensive coordinator situations at a couple schools. Um, so I think Caleb is just taking his time and, He's one of the few prospects in college football that can kind of create his own timeline for these things. At least I think so. Now, Chris, obviously we this is something that we talk about a lot, but as somebody who has to keep a constant pulse on the transfer portal and all of its happenings, just give us some perspective on how drastically the transfer portal has changed the game, not just in terms of roster construction, but in terms of recruiting as well. Well, I mean, just look at Texas State. I think I still don't think they've signed a high school prospect. So it's going to be almost two full cycles for them. So two years since Texas state and the most talented state in the country for high school football and the most prospect rich state in the country for high school football has not signed a high school player in two years. So I think that just tells you all you need to know about the transfer portal. Um, It's totally changed the way coaches programs look at roster construction um, it is a avenue to address holes in a way we haven't seen before. Um, it allows for some creativity potentially, but um, we had 500 fewer high school kids sign with FPS programs last year. I think we're going to see another shortage again, maybe not quite to that extreme of a number, but we'll certainly see fewer players. And I just think it's totally changed the way schools look at scouting and recruiting. Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg still a, a package deal. Um, you, you expect him to land in Oxford as well. What's what's that situation looking like? Yeah, I, I've heard I've heard most of the way that um, Jackson and Michael uh, Trigg would play together. I think maybe had Jackson gone to BYU, that might have been an exception. But um, and I, I guess he technically could since this is not done yet, and it probably never will at this rate. Uh, but yeah, I I expect Michael Trigg to be in Oxford as well, along with Jackson Dart. Okay, now the natural question, Chris, that a lot of OU fans uh, are asking now that it appears Dart and Trigg are going to be Rebels is that well, they missed on Jackson Dart, and it's January 28th. So give us an idea and some context for the other quarterbacks that are still out there left in the portal that could potentially be targets for a school like Oklahoma that still would like to add a scholarship quarterback to the roster. Yeah, I think a school like Oklahoma is kind of tricky because they they might not have an established starter because Dylan Gabriel's coming off an injury, but they have a very likely starter. And not only that, they have a very likely starter who's played at an extremely high level in college football. So in my opinion, especially if they're not going to come in for the spring, the caliber of quarterback you're going to be able to add to that room is limited. Uh, you might be looking at a backup 
quarterback or kind of an experienced arm potentially down the line. But I suppose you never know because there's going to be a lot of quarterback movement after spring practice. I think that's just something to expect. I just I don't anticipate Oklahoma adding somebody that's going to compete with Dylan Gabriel um, if they don't compete if they're not able to go during the spring, especially with Jackson Arnold being the 2023 take. There seems to be a pipeline behind that. Nick Evers is on campus as well. So I can't imagine all Oklahoma adding a really high caliber quarterback to commute with Dylan Gabriel. Cause it just, in my opinion, it wouldn't make sense for whoever comes in to kind of take on that role. But I guess you never know. I've never really expected Oklahoma to be firmly in it for Jackson Dart and they certainly have been. So uh, maybe the staff will surprise me. Yeah, I agree. Hey, he's Chris Hummer, national college football writer, and he covers the transfer portal for 24-7 sports. Hey, Chris, appreciate your time. That's great stuff. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hitting you up again because the transfer portal never dies. Never, never <laughs> dies. It never does. Thanks, guys. Yeah, there you go. Chris Hummer, 24-7 sports. If you want a real recruiting update, Parker Thune. Oh, boy. I guess Colin Cowherd is in the uh, business now of recruiting news. Did oh, you see boy. what he tweeted out a couple hours ago? Hearing things with the peace sign emoji that USC likes to tweet out. So, is that a uh, Caleb Williams tweet? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll find out today. Who knows? But how many? Here's the thing: USC signed 12 transfers already. How many times have we seen somebody tweet the peace sign and figured, oh, that's got to be Caleb Williams? And then it's like Brandon Rice. Yeah, yeah, that's Jerry Rice's son. Okay, he's leaving Colorado to go to USC. Never mind. Uh, very fair point. This is a uh, the the alarm has went off about six times in the past three weeks, and still no sign of Caleb Williams. All right, we'll wrap up. Uh, we'll wrap up. Locked in. Coming up next, right here on the on the ref, the homeless Center fans.
All right, final segment, locked in with McComas and Thune. Right here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. This hour is brought to you by Chapel Supply. Chapel supplies you with the tools to tackle any power washing job, residential or commercial. They can also service all brands of power washers. Check them out in OKC, 6509 West Reno Avenue. And again, if you're looking with a new career, Chapel Supply can help you out with that. Apply online today at chapelsupply.com. Uh, we have not been very good at getting to the Air Comfort Solutions text line today. What do we got in studio there, Parker? Let's see what the folks are saying, the good people of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. you think Clayton Smith stays at rush end or outside linebacker? That's an interesting question. And Clayton Smith is somebody that hasn't been talked about a lot. Really not I, at all. Yeah, I... I don't know what his ultimate fit is in Brent Venable's defense, and that's one of the guys that I'm curious to see how he develops throughout spring and what Venables wants to do with him because I think with his skill set, he's he obviously carries a degree of natural versatility that could be quite useful in Venables' scheme. So the short answer is I don't know. And I don't think anybody will know until we see them on the field at the spring game and we get a true sense of what Brent Venable's vision for Clayton Smith is. You know but. what? And I hope that Clayton Smith, and I don't necessarily you know, think right now that this might be the case, but the reality is is that the defense, it's, it's going to look it's gonna look different next year. And there's some guys that are holdovers on the roster that what they're going to want to be able to do doesn't fit some of these dudes. You know? So... That's kind of the – and some of those guys may not know it now, uh, but when they kind of try to install this defense, I'm sure there's going to be at least a couple guys where it's like, yeah, I don't really fit here like I used to. I need to find somewhere else to play ball. <laughs> One listener says, I asked my property manager friend in Oxford, Mississippi yesterday if anyone named Jackson Arter Michael Trigg had applied for apartments with her properties. <laughs> she hasn't responded. Well – I don't know. Is that good news? Is that good news? Is that bad news? I just, I, I'm unclear. Just let him go to, just uh, just let him go to Ole Miss, man. What, what, whatever. It's It's fine. It it looks like a pretty done deal at this point. Anything else? Who will be a surprise signing this spring, whether it be via portal or national signing day? You know, obviously, I, I floated that possibility of maybe there being a surprise signing this this weekend as we get closer and closer to National Signing Day, look, that's me purely speculating. That's not me telling you that there is anything that should be on your radar in this capacity. All I'm saying is that once the week of National Signing Day hits, I mean, all bets are off. So it's not entirely out of the question that, you know, maybe, maybe for instance, R. Mason Thomas and Ahmad Moten go to Miami this weekend, absolutely love it, decide they want to stay home, and commit to the Hurricanes. OU really wants both of those guys, particularly Ahmad yeah. Moton. So at that point, do they say, hmm, what's still on the board in terms of an interior defensive lineman that we might be able to go and talk into signing with OU on short notice? Like, that's a possibility. There's a non-zero chance something like that happens. And look, I really like where OU stands with R. Mason Thomas and Ahmad Moton, and obviously really love where they stand with Grayson Halton, too. But, again... You get this close to decision day, stuff gets wild. Did anyone get excited on the text line when I mentioned the possibility of making more of those Mule Shoe Snake t-shirts? Uh, no, no one has uh, addressed that on the Air Coverage Solutions. What? Line, though, so. Are you serious? Uh-oh, that makes the decision uh, a whole I lot think, easier, guys. I think when you, said, when you said ref store, they were like, oh, so I'm going to have to pay for it. <laughs> You're right. Everybody just wanted it because it was free. Oh, come on, guys. It's not a, an expensive t-shirt. Jeez. And it, a portion of it goes to charity. 
Come on, you can spare 18 bucks or whatever we price it at. It'll be fine. What? One more? One listener says, can y'all play some Neil Young? I can't find it on Spotify. Ah, good joke. <laughs> yeah, good joke. Uh, Howard Stern has actually taken the side of uh, Joe Rogan right now, which is uh, pretty interesting. Very interesting. Is this, a th- uh, th- this is all going completely over my head. Oh, really? Uh, well, Joe Rogan is on Spotify exclusively. Uh, Neil Young does not like some of the takes that he is having right now when it comes to the uh, coronavirus and the vaccine and things. So he said uh, either remove Joe Rogan or remove me and Spotify uh, removed him instead. So wow, Joe, okay. Joe Rogan's still going strong. Sorry, Neil Young. Yeah, see, I just... I don't pay attention to anything <laughs> anything of that ilk these days. I'm yeah, just like, God the, bless you. I don't uh, know how, but God bless you. The less that comes it. across my timeline uh, in that regard, the better. So, uh, Tough matchup tomorrow, man. OU at Auburn. Uh, you talk about an athletic team. Um, this is an athletic team, and that's kind of been the M.O. of Bruce Pearl. At Auburn, at Tennessee, he always finds basketball squads that are – extremely athletic. This one is probably the most athletic that he's ever had. Look, we can break down this game however you want, but OU's going to have to play by far and away its best game of the season. Uh, They're going to have to hit some shots that maybe they haven't hit all year long. They're going to need to be cooking from beyond the arc. Mo Gibson's going to have to be great. They're going to have to limit turnovers. They can't turn it over 17 or 18 times. I... They're going to have to play a brand of basketball that, honestly, they have not played this year against a, a, a good opponent. That's, no. that's what it's going to take tomorrow. No. Either yeah. that or you catch, catch Auburn on a perfect day. And, hey, look, Auburn played some sl- sloppy basketball against Missouri, so it's not as if yeah. this team is immune from struggle. But they're on their home floor. They're the number one team in the nation now. Y- you said it best, Tyler, when you said that this is going to be uh, – I'm not even going to say near perfect. Oklahoma's going to need to play a perfect game because this is not a game that on their home floor I think Auburn is going to give away. And also, there's just <laughs> there's nobody on Oklahoma's roster that can match up with Jabari Smith. There's yeah. just not. Yeah, um, and this is what Monday Auburn was voted the number one team in the AP poll for the first time in history. And they were showing up. It, it's a big deal. Like I think the cheapest ticket I saw earlier today on the secondary market, $135. That place is going to be packed tomorrow in Auburn, Alabama. It's going to be a really tough atmosphere. I think definitely the toughest atmosphere that OU's faced. So there's a lot going up against OU, but the opportunity is there, man. OU, if they play the perfect game, if you catch Auburn on the right day, uh, OU could have the best win in the country. And regardless. time tomorrow. If you just if you do as much as play them close, if you challenge them, that's something to build off as you get back into the meat of Big Twelve play. And you're going to need some wins down the stretch in Big Twelve play if you're going to make a tournament run. Basketball Power Index on ESPN says Auburn has an 84.5 percent chance to win tomorrow. That sounds so, about right. Uh, use that as you will. All right, that'll do it for us. Football Friday rolls on next. It's the rush on the other side with myself and Teddy Lehman. Keep it locked right here on the Ref. We're the Homeless Center fans.